0: Welcome to the ABC's To Live Your Dope Life. This is an opportunity to be a fly on the wall while I engage with some of the most fascinating, inspiring, and brilliant people I know who have played a direct or indirect role in my own healing and continued growth process. The change process is not easy, comfortable, or nearly as fast as so many of us wish it would be. And my hope with this podcast is to instill some playfulness, simple tools to practice, and ultimately, a place for you to recognize that you are not alone. A dope life is one that is aligned with who you truly desire to be, and a congruency between what is deep beneath the surface and what shows above the surface. It's the real, the raw, the complexities of our light and our shadows. The only thing that is ever truly in your way is you. Join me on this journey as we continue to grow stronger together. It's time to live your dope life. Vince, so good to see you.
1: Marin. Marin. So, oh, shit. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Where's the reset button? <laughs> Marin.
0: Yeah. Hi. Very good
1: to see you in real life.
0: Yeah, I know. This is such a treat.
1: It is. Mm. And you know, having been caged up like untrusting animals, (laughs) it's so nice to be out and be with human beings. Like human beings are wired for connection. I know you know that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, yeah. I think it's serotonin. Our body just kind of make human connection
0: mm-hmm. all, all the good happy chemicals come yes. Out. Yeah. Yes, yes yeah yes yeah well and, yes. and speaking of treats and happy chemicals why don't you um talk us through what you have put in front of us right here
1: so for the poor souls that don't get to see what we see <laughs> we have a makeshift charcuterie board which is from Thrive Provisions Wagyu beef made in uh, Brant Lake, just outside of uh, High River. So we have maple apple and blueberry, and um, honey lime and black pepper. And this is this is Wagyu beef, and it's a beef snack. It's not beef jerky. It's a beef snack.
0: Right. That's yeah. For my first little taste, I said this does not taste like beef no, jerky. It's not. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's I've been with this I've been working with this company from the inception and uh it's an existing organization feedlot cattle farm all these different things and then the owner Jeff Ball was like I want a snack but I don't want it to be like garbage snacks you know don't want a chocolate bar don't want all this really salty beef jerky or you know pepper pepperoni sticks so Mm. this is out of his own brain he said what if we could do this so there's a There's a, up in Niskew, there's a food packing, food processing, um, government funded and subsidized. So whatever you make there, you can't sell. Hmm. But you can at least, and they provide the food scientists, so you can work with your recipes and all that. And that's, and then it comes to market. And then they have to go to manufacturing. So in this case, Made Right Foods, which makes all the McSweeney's product line. And I think the, uh, Jack's links, for example, hmm. all, they're all made out of the same location, kind of like rugby balls. There's a hundred brands and three manufacturers. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs>
1: so that's where it's made. Um,
0: and you know, it does look a little bit like a granola bar, like the, the, how thick it is, obviously the shape of it. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. And
1: while it's processed from the perspective of it went through a machine to get put into this shape. It's ingredients you can recognize. It's ingredients you can spell. Mm. And the only reason for the high, what some would consider high sodium take, is Health Canada. F- uh, they dictate how much sodium has to be in your product. Mm. So it's not, I always thought, why would they put so much sodium in this product? It's Health Canada. It's not. These, you know, um, Thrive Bars would just have half the, half the sodium in it.
0: But why on earth would they tell you how much sodium to put into your product
1: that is a great question <laughs> and if we could speak to the health minister federal health minister call him up yo yeah. <laughs> why are you dictating this much sodium in such a small snack
0: mm-hmm. that's very odd okay
1: so anyways um i think we are about to sample here some incredible whiskey yeah. uh, mixing it up this time mm-hmm. so our first is going to be a 28 year Now, this is wheat, a wheat grain whiskey versus a single malt, which is barley. Okay, right. But single, meaning one distillery, Mm -hmm. and grain, meaning wheat instead of barley. Right. So it's going to have a very different flavor profile. Mm. Judging by the color, uh, it's probably, and I don't really know all the different, the color always comes from the barrel, Mm. not the grain, so not the barley. So it's... um, it's dark but it's darker right it's yeah. t- been in a barrel for 28 years it's definitely mature unlike yeah. an 8 year old 10 year old think of a juvenile mm-hmm. absent-minded kid Still with a bit figuring of an attitude th- himself out. yeah that's a yeah. that's a 10 year whiskey right <laughs> but these are this is 28 so it m- probably has a bit of a sherry influence in there just judging by some of the c- color mm. um and then our next one is a 21 year it's Glen Farkless, uh, not Glen Farkless, sorry it's a Glen Rothis, but bottled by Caden head so Caden's head um has gone and selected their own barrels from Glen mm-hmm. and then they've they've basically carried the risk on the on the barrel hmm. so you can typically oh and it's a cast strength too so the 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 first one the single grain is 42.7 percent for listeners and this next one is going to be in the what are we at it's 50.9% on the Glenrothes this 21 year. So it's right out of the cask.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: And it's a little lighter in color. So uh, it comes out of three different bourbon hogsheads. So there's 990 bottles made only yeah. of that particular bottle. Wow. And then it's all gone. So wow. if you really like it, Kensington Wine Market is where it came from. But I bought it a year ago, so it's probably gone. Right. Uh, yeah. And our last one is from the Bercladi Distillery. It's uh, a Black Art. Where's the number? Because these are like 1.1, 2.1. 1, 1. I think it's a 5.1. Yeah. Black Art Edition 5.1. I don't know the, what the 0. one means. Okay. It's just their, it's just their fifth um, iteration of this particular bottling. Okay. So I have a 4.1 at home. It's a 23-year-old. Mm-hmm. This is the 5.1, and it's a 24-year-old.
2: Right, okay.
1: But it's called Black Art in part because everything's a secret. Mm-hmm. No one knows what Laddie did to make this whiskey. This particular whiskey, um, 48.4%. I think I read that right. I don't have my glasses on. But I will tell you from the beginning that that one definitely needs to sit and breathe for about a half an hour. hmm
2: and is it, that it, this glass? Yeah. Okay. It'll
1: it'll taste significantly different if we sipped it now yeah, than if we sipped it later.
0: So it's, is that similar to with wine, how um, aerating it makes it different?
1: It d- I don't know if it needs to be aerated per se, but some, they just, like once it's out of the bottle, once the genie's out of the bottle,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it seems to, the profile begins to change a little bit. Okay. And um, some people have said, not me. Some people have said it's a bit punchy, Mm -hmm. like in your face, right? (laughs) It's 48%, so it's not a lot, in my opinion. Like, people drink 40% alcohol, and they go, oh, my God, this is so harsh. And I'm like, that's water. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's just, you're drinking water. I taste nothing. No. Oh, my God. Like, anything over 46 is my favorite, right? Okay. So. Mm. No offense to all the, you know, the Glenlivet, 18-year Glenlivet fans out there at 40% alcohol. Like it's, respectfully, it's a very unforgettable whiskey. Mm. It sounds fancy because it's the Glenlivet. They do 21 million liters a year. Wow. Whereas I think Brookladdy might be in the seven millions
2: hmm.
1: liters a year. Okay. Macallan is only 17 million liters. And Glenfiddich, which everyone's very familiar with too, is about 13 and a half, 13, 7 mm. million liters a year in, in production.
0: I love how much you know about Scotch.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. cause my wife might roll her eyes.
0: <laughs> I bet, yeah. She
1: does entertain me. I, uh, so anyways, okay. so let's go with the un unexpected here this this single grain whiskey, mm-hmm. Invergordon 28 year. So mm. what do you like
0: I smell, let's see. There's some honey. Yeah. And a bit of a punch in the face. <laughs> I'm just smelling it. <laughs> oh God,
1: forty-two point seven, almost forty-three mm-hmm. percent.
0: So not to your standards, this is not a. Parent. No, no,
1: it's fine. It's fine because again, when you start getting those twenty-eight years, anything north of twenty, yeah. I, I think you can. Some of the flavor from the cask begins to really influence the mm. the smell and the and the taste.
0: What do you smell?
1: I definitely got the honey. Yeah. Um, some some uh, some hay. Mm. Like just fresh yeah. cut hay.
2: Yeah.
1: I would say my, my nose is in the beginning I used to only smell gas.
0: That's I was just about to say that. I smell gasoline.
1: Yeah. It's just yeah. Uh, what is this? Gasoline?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um but over the year, over the last while my nose is starting to oh, you know, I can pull this out. So yeah. if you think of okay, close your eyes. Do you smell anything floral? And do you smell anything spicy?
0: Definitely spicy.
1: Yeah, there's some spice in there, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you smell anything we already went through the honey. Anything grassy.
0: Yeah, I think like dry hay, definitely.
1: Okay. Anything earthy.
0: Mm, earthy. It smells like damp. If you can smell dampness, like yeah. damp dirt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Earthy has its have yeah. its own flavors and smells, right? Uh does it is there any like Anything particularly salty about it or any or briny about it yeah. and I don't
0: I don't think so. I don't, I don't get either yeah. no mm. but
1: if this was a peated whiskey for sure mm. um, anything smoky right and, and we wouldn't hear but we would like a spring bank you'd get a bit of smoke out of that mm. A lot of the kill you'd definitely smell smoke and this salty iodine you medicinal. know what's interesting
0: too is when I'm swishing it before it and then smell it. The gasoline smell is gone. It's once it becomes still, that's when mm. I start smelling Sorry. gasoline
1: again. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. uh, regular unleaded. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I should have said this is premium.
0: <laughs> Definitely premium. Mmm.
1: So that's a... That's a grain. And I think it's Wheat. I actually don't know, but it's definitely not a barley. And so when we move into the the Glenrothes Twenty One,
2: mm-hmm. which
1: is 100% barley, we're definitely gonna. N- it'll be very noticeable the different flavor profile yeah. between okay. barley and like. To me, this is sweet.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If if someone had these sitting out in front of you and you didn't have the bottles, do right. you think you would be able to say this is a, a wheat, this is a barley?
1: Um I would. I only have one grain whiskey in my inventory collection, and that's this one here. And just because of its sweetness, I would I would guess that that even a heavily sherryed cask uh, single malt Scotch would not be as sweet. So I would be suspect. I'm not sure this is barley, so I'm Mm -mm, not I'm not any smarter than that. Mm -hmm. But I definitely can pull out like the difference between a bourbon influence and a sherry influence on okay. the color would be obvious but even mm. just the if it was a blind test and that's kind of like what this black art is like we can't see through the bottle right. like we can see through the other ones
2: yeah yeah
1: and um until we put it in the glass
0: yeah you have no idea you what have it's. no idea what you're
1: looking at and so this i wouldn't say that this is 100% sherry cask and it's definitely not 100% bourbon
0: right it's darker than the other it's
1: definitely darker but you can get um for 24 years right I have a I have a fifteen year Glen Allakey, which you can barely see through. It's a sherry cask. Mm-hmm. You can't you can hardly see through it. And mm-hmm. I have a thirty two year, thirty-three year. Uh it's a nineteen eighty eight vintage. Um Glen Glenrothis mm-hmm. sherry cask and you cannot see through the bottle. Wow. It's just absorbed all that color out of the cask.
2: Wow.
0: So fascinating. How many bottles do you have at home? I don't remember if I Is asked my to wife me.
1: listening to this podcast? <laughs> I think my wife now knows because I just yeah just I have sixty seven unopened bottles. Uh some are there's a few repeats in there because 'cause they're just amazing and I, I bought a couple of them. Okay. But most are individual and I have I didn't count, but there's probably close to thirty open bottles. Wow. And some have been opened, like that Glenlivet eighteen year. I bought that in Maui two and a half years ago.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. And I got about
1: three three uh servings left in it. And so as long as the cork is on and it stayed in the cool, dark place, it's going to be fine. Wow. That's the nice thing about whiskey versus say wine. Once it's corked, you got to, the bottle can't last more than a day or two and it starts to change. Yeah. So whiskey's different. Cork it, keep it in the dark, dry place. And then you're good to go. And you're good to go.
0: Hmm. Do you have anything else at home that you collect? Or is that your main collection?
1: I stopped collecting socks and designer shirts. Um uh collect memories experiences but that's the way to do it Mm. no there's not uh there was a time when i just discovered socks that weren't black
0: (laughs) you were really into that (laughs) i was like oh my goodness (laughs) where have you been all my life
1: so all of my socks there's not a single pair of socks it's a solid color a lot of my socks are actually friday sock company
2: oh yes yeah
1: shop local Mm -hmm. so uh yeah i have a father's day birthday christmas I, uh, there's always a Friday sock in there, mm. but I have close to 40 different pairs of socks in a variety of colors.
0: Which I would say is probably typical, for, you know, in terms of socks. I know I've, I haven't counted my socks, but I have a lot of socks.
1: Yeah, I have, a, I have a lot. I haven't personally bought a pair of socks in probably three years. Oh, yeah. So I get them as gifts now.
0: Mm. Well, now I know what to get you if I get you a gift. I
1: forget <laughs> the company name. It's something Q. I think they're Canadian out in Ontario, but they have a lot of sayings like, one of my one of them is like uh, it says "Sorry in advance" mm-hmm. on the foot of the sock, like on the top of the foot. Another one says "Busy making a fucking difference." Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um. Yeah. And now the pair that I bought for my wife was "I'm sorry you have me mistaken for somebody who might care." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so great. I like those. I, I when I'm presenting, I I choose what's the what kind of humor am I? Yeah. Where's my headspace today? Yeah.
0: Get some inspiration from what you put on your body.
1: Wednesday, I was speaking and I was delivering content I had never delivered before in this format mm. on personal development, and uh, so it was all new. Mm. Like yeah, you could, we could imagine any kind of personal development seminar, and we would, you and I, could probably predict a lot of the stuff they're going to say. Mm-hmm. You know, sleep, eat, exercise, participate in the community. You know, um, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, I'm going to come at this completely unended. And so my socks are sorry in advance. Yeah, I see. <laughs> this might not land. Let's
0: see what happens. Can yeah. you tell me a little bit about what you shared. What was new for you? Like, what was this new content that you
1: delivered? There's uh, so in our last conversation on podcast here, we talked about at the very end. I disclosed that uh, I was just in the throes of this diagnosis of post-traumatic stress. Yeah. and I re- I re- I do not include the word disorder on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine, Jeff Coulard, lives in Cochrane. He's got a background in counseling with uh, youth addiction and helping them progress through there. And he never uses the word disorder. He said it's not a stress disorder. It's a, restre- it's a response to stress. Mm. And Dr. Andrew Huberman out of Stanford, he's a... He's a neuroscientist, neurobiology. He, mm-hmm. I've never actually, don't think I've ever heard him use the word disorder either. He talks about a response to stress. When we're agitated and stressed, what do we do? Right. What are the chemicals in our body doing? And he says, you know, there's not a lot of chemicals in the brain, but there's a lot of things that affect the chemicals in the brain. Mm. And a lot of neuro, like not a lot of a lot of existing behaviors and habits and neuroplasticity that exists already and how do we unwire, untether and all these things. So, so here I am, <laughs> I have a, you know, I've been in the military for seven years. I've been in professional sales for nine years. I've been coaching professionally uh, for f- almost fifteen years. Mm-hmm. So, say ten in business and five in athletics,
2: mm.
1: professionally. So, my level of personal development, professional development, I would say it's pretty dialed,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And then everything kind of went out the window when I was given this diagnosis. I went from, yeah, I know how to, you know, PD. That's easy, right? You do this, you do this, you do that, you do that. And very flippantly, I would even, you know, I'd give people, hey, do this, do that. If you're struggling, you know, you should exercise more. You should, you should, you should. Yeah. Well, when I received this diagnosis, I was like, what am I going to do now? Hmm. I am, I felt broken. I was in denial. This can't be true. Mm -hmm. Only one deployment. It wasn't combat. We had a few scuffles but nothing like nothing like Afghanistan mm. combat deployments nothing like Iraq combat deployments and so i literally completely unraveled to the point where i wasn't even getting out of bed and it was so foreign to me yeah. like i would literally if i didn't have anything uh, specific on my calendar i didn't get out of bed mm. i was literally afraid to start the day yeah and so all this personal development that i allegedly knew was useless to me mm-hmm. I'd read Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal 3 times. Yeah. And I'm laying there like I cannot willpower my ass out of this bed. I right. want to I want to just hide. Yeah. Mm. So, I was watching a podcast watching a podcast, YouTube, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. YouTube version. Yeah. Impact Theory, Tom Bilyeu. Yes. Deepak Chopra. Mm-hmm. I had no idea Deepak Chopra was a was an MD, got into endocrinology. Mhm the study of hormones and then he got into the study of hormones in the brain neuroscientist endocrinologist right
2: mm-hmm.
1: i had no idea i thought he was just this yogi that was like incredibly chill and i th- i just thought that's not normal right but he's talked about you know, if we could end so we have acute suffering broke my arm i, I literally broke my knee right. um, we you know someone breaks a leg they get a wound mm-hmm. you know cut themselves we have acute suffering and science is really good at fixing this
0: right i have pain it's here
1: yeah, yeah, fix it. Yeah, here's a cast. Here's a treatment. Here's whatever. Right, and then there's chronic suffering, cancer, um, AIDS, uh, diabetes, obesity, and science can cure and deal with a lot of these things, but not all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, m- grandmother just passed away, stage four bone cancer. And we're not, we don't know how to fix that yet.
2: Oh yeah.
1: But someone else who has breast cancer. My sister had breast cancer. You know. She's in remission. She's clean bill of health. Mm. Super excited. Mm-hmm. So what if we, if science could remove all chronic suffering and all all acute suffering, would the human being still suffer? Yes. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So so why is that? If we could remove all the obstacles in life, would we still have suffer? And the answer being yes, he said, because we don't know who we are. Yeah. We're constantly searching for meaning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, does my life matter? And so he can't... What he did, and this was probably January, early February. So now I'm in treatment, and I'm and treatment sucks. If anybody's ever been in treatment for traumatic stress, you know that this this sucks. For me, this sucks hard. Every session's tears. Every session yeah. just snot bubbling, multiple Kleenex. Yeah, ruined. And I sit in a parking lot for an hour before I have the courage to drive home. Yeah. So he's on Impact Theory, and he says, you know, there's five. He, he presented five. He, these are the five. He just said, here's here's reasons why people suffer. One, we don't know who we are. We don't. And I was like, you're right. I have no idea who I am. I look in the mirror and I, I see a man. Mm-hmm. Um, he, we cling to titles. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm a veteran. I'm a business coach. I am. I am. I am blank, right? Yeah. Insert title. Yeah. And how many times have we met people who are they just, they have this title and f- through no fault of their own, they're fired. Maybe there's a big downsize. It's Shell, you know, Mm they have had some downsizing. Mm -hmm. Imperial Oil, pick any, you know, and certainly through COVID, there's been a lot of layoffs. Through no fault of their own, they are no longer captain of X. Mm -hmm. They are no longer the manager, the executive, the director, nothing, right? Yeah. The title's gone. And with them goes our identity. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We avoid conflict. We avoid things that are uncomfortable. We avoid things of discomfort. We avoid pain. I have a, re, you know, I had a relationship with my mother that was so incredibly painful, I avoided it. So much so, if you could imagine, I basically wrapped myself in bubble wrap so I couldn't feel the thorn in my side. Yeah. Michael Singer talks about this in The Untethered Soul, right? Yeah. So there's all this pain and discomfort I'm avoiding. The discomfort and pain of acknowledging this in the first place, like recognizing, no, this is this is a diagnosis. They believe I have this and clearly I'm not functional. Mm. And when I do keep my act together, it's long enough to get through a client session, long enough to get through dinner, long enough to get through the drive home. And then after that, I'm just like
0: <sighs> Right, yeah. It's exhausting to, to have that facade and to keep that bubble wrap on all day long. Right. yeah.
1: The, the next was this clinging to temporary and transient experiences. yeah, And this one blew me away. Number one, I have no idea who I am. Less about titles, Definitely avoiding discomfort, and oh my goodness, am I ever clinging to temporary and transient experiences. So much so that it's immobilizing. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I said to my psychologist, why am I letting, like the past is the past, it's over, it's gone. Yet it bothers me.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, a divorce, it's in the past. A a toxic relationship with my mother, in the past. Um, You know, the, the words at the end of my sentence are in the past why am I clinging to these experiences? And Beth was amazing. She just said, if they're not processed, if they've been hooked in, and Susan David, who I think is Harvard, uh, she talks about traumatic injuries when these experiences have hooked into our psyche. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And now they're easy to hook in, they're very difficult to untether, but they can be done. So all my work is now, how do I untether this experience? And the last thing is we're afraid of death Mm. because did our did it, my life doesn't matter yet I haven't I haven't you know I haven't discovered the cure for cancer I can't die yet
2: yeah
1: and that was probably the one I had the 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 least issues with because in the military you know we write I wrote my first will when I was 19 years old you're face to face with it yeah deployment to Somalia at 23 I wrote a letter to my mom you know before going on a particular um m- mission in Somalia mm. and Came back two days later and, and took the letter back and said, thank you very much and burnt it up. But wow. I w- it was like, hey, if you're reading this. yeah,
2: you know? yeah. Mm.
1: So inside there. So when I do this personal development workshop yeah. here on Wednesday, I said, this is the foundation. If I were to tell you about reading this and doing that, take this course, take that course, you know, do some yoga. Mm-hmm. You know, get one like that's lipstick on a pig. Yeah. If you don't know, and I say you on purpose, you the listener, if you don't know who you are to the listener, if you are clinging to titles, if you are clinging to temporary and transient experiences, if you are avoiding discomfort, if you are afraid of death, then anything else until that is resolved is lipstick on a pig.
2: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And then the second piece was just don't say stupid shit out loud. Mm-hmm. I can't control my thoughts. I can introduce a new thought. And Huberman was great at identifying this. He said, "Our thoughts are all over the place. Lots of people have identified our thoughts. We I mean, sixty thousand thoughts a day. We think six hundred. Some argue a thousand words a minute is mm-hmm. how much we think.
0: Yeah.
1: So imagine we're staring at our computer monitor, and there's." Uh, You're on your browser, doesn't matter, right? Chrome, let's just say. Mm -hmm. But imagine 60,000 pop-ups a day. Yeah. That would drive anybody nuts, Uh right? So the subconscious is popping these up and the conscious brain tries to avoid them, but they're there. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: However, we can introduce a new thought and we can post it in front of all those and just make that new thought bigger than the rest around it. Mm -hmm. And when we verbalize negative thinking, because we all have it, when we verbalize negative thinking, we're, we're weaponizing ourselves against ourselves. I Mm -hmm. weaponize me against me.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And so I became very, very militant at not saying stupid shit out loud Mm -hmm. because said out loud, it's amplified to the power of 10 and negative is amplified four to seven times more. Mm -hmm. Another Harvard Mm -hmm. study, which means negative said out loud is 40 to 70 times more, more um, powerful than positive. Yeah. And so while positivity doesn't always work, positive thinking doesn't always work, negativity always does, and it always works negatively.
2: hmm yeah.
1: In a simple example, um, Sarah, De- I'm going to screw up her name, uh, Didi De- De- Tort, uh, ranked 37th in the world for, I- for, and she's from Iceland, ranked 37th in the world okay. for CrossFit Games. Yeah. 2018 fall breaks a rib on competition. She's gutted, she's on the leaderboard, like she's going to go home with a medal. But breaks a rib and has to withdraw from the competition, World World CrossFit Games. Next one comes in the in the spring of, of uh, the following year. Breaks a rib on the on the first day. Wow. Here's the creepy part. Two days later, and this is she said this out loud on Netflix. Two weeks prior, me and my trainer were both laughing. Wouldn't it suck if I broke my rib on the first day?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because she said it, does that make it true? We don't know. But the fact remains it was on her mind. It was there. And don't leave anything to chance. Don't say stupid shit out loud. I wonder if I get fired this week. Oh, my goodness. Don't say that out loud. Uh,
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Our words are manifesting and collaborating with reality.
1: They are. They're powerful. And people think it's it's just fluff and woo-woo. But it's not. Harvard is studying this. Andrew Mm -hmm. Hubern is studying this.
0: Yeah. He's fascinating. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So one you know, what is the root of human suffering? Can we reconcile with that? Two, can we just stop saying stupid shit out loud? Mm-hmm. And for me, the third one has, I've always been involved in fitness and exercise, largely because of my job in the military, largely because I played rugby for Calgary and my club. So I was always in shape and in the gym. But after rugby was over, kind of stayed out of the gym. Mm-hmm. And when I was in the gym, it wasn't consistent. Mm-hmm. It was three days a week, four days a week, five days a week, maybe six, but it was never more than that. I'm right now... Um, I'm 42 days consecutive in the gym every day, wow. Monday through for Sunday, right? Every mm-hmm. single day, weight resistance training, the chemical effect on the brain, how I deal with anxiety, how I deal with negative thinking, negative thoughts, how I deal with my own narrative. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the narrative doesn't even have to be negative. It's just a narrative mm-hmm. um, has completely changed. It. And that, again, I thought I knew everything about, oh, exercise is this, you should work out. But I wasn't doing it, one, and B, wasn't doing every day, right? And I can, I can point and connect dots to all sorts of things, including better productivity, um, better relationship with my kids, better relationship with my wife, better confidence in relationship with my clients, because I work out every single day,
2: mm-hmm.
1: followed by a meditation.
2: Mm.
1: So
0: it's beautiful, you know. And you know, in what you're sharing too, what comes up for me is the, the process of things often get worse before they get better.
1: Oh Jesus! Isn't that true? You know,
0: I've uh, there's been so much of that for me too in the last few months as I've been devouring <laughs> content and um, learning and seeing myself more clearly. It it gets really exciting when you see your blind spot finally and 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 start to recognize. Oh, these are the steps I need to take. But it, it also opens up a wound that you've become really accustomed to keeping distance from.
1: And you and exactly. And you say the word blind spot. Yeah. Someone commented the other day. Uh. Jordan Peterson is in, in recovery. He had uh, turns out a an adverse reaction and it and and a dependency, not an addiction, and a, a dependency on benzo design or design. I don't know the name of the drug, but it's like diazepine. There you go, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Benzodiazepine or something like this, right? Yeah. And this person was shocked. Well, he's a psychologist, he's a clinical psychologist. Everything he knows. How could he be so foolish to not get addicted? And and again, the word is it's not an addiction, it's dependency. The body behaves differently with those two things, right. which is another thing I did not know. But I said, the key word here is blind spot. It's called a blind spot for a reason because we're blind to it. Mm-hmm. And we need outside eyes.
2: Yep.
1: So therein lies our profession, you and me, mm-hmm. that we provide outside eyes. We see things our client can't see. Yep. Do we now have the courage to speak up and say, hey, I can relate to some of these turtling behaviors you have because i've been there right i recognize this behavior as numbing um Hmm. client had however many dollars of of wine on the on her expenses Mm -hmm. and it was her accountant that called it out like and wine is again you cork it you drink it
2: yeah
1: and she was corking and she was drinking (laughs) But it was a, a pretty significant amount, month after month after month, and she was self-medicating essentially. I wouldn't describe her as an alcoholic. I don't right. think anybody would. Mm-hmm. But she was definitely self-medicating, you know, two, yeah. three glasses a night. Because, you know, entrepreneurship's hard. Mm-hmm. It comes with all sorts of uncertainties and adversities and mm-hmm. competing priorities, competing opportunities. Yeah. And when we're by ourself, talking to ourselves, and that talk to self about self when we're by ourself is so critically important that it's not sending us down the river of more darkness, more yeah. frustration. Yeah. Thus, you and I will be in business for the rest of our lives.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because well, we're doing the work and, and teaching it, right? It, you know, and it, I, it, I think what really stands out to me as well is that we can have all of the understanding of theory, which I would say <laughs> you and I have a lot of, right? We can talk about the different models, the different, um, the maps, the different steps to take. But to, to experience it yourself and to go through it, you know, as you described in this, you know, I've read all the books about discipline and willpower and here I am laying in my bed like where the fuck is the willpower that I know so much about? It's such a different experience yeah. when you're in it.
1: Oh yeah. my goodness. Yes. Knowing what to do didn't help me right? in doing. Yeah. I was at a point where I could no longer help myself in that moment. Mm-hmm. So to kind of cap that whole, and we can always revisit, but the treatment has been exceptional. Yeah. Um, I've had the fortune of working with a provisional psychologist who was like Babe Ruth right out of the gate mm-hmm. and always had oversight from the clinic director. So, And now that the provisional psychologist, Beth, she's moved on and uh, back to Ontario, uh, I'm now working directly with the clinic director So I've always, I was always in good hands and I just, clearly you guys are smarter than me about this. Clearly you have toolbox and interventions that are better than mine. I'm going to just let go of the outcome and just participate, be an active participant in my own journey. And, and I think that's worth repeating, be an active participant in our own journey. We can't just, you know, hire a psychologist, hire a coach, do this, do that. Fix me. Yeah. Here, fix me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It it works that way. If I have a broken arm, fix me. But,
0: but even that, you still have to do the I rehab. I still have to do the rehab. Mm-hmm.
1: right I blew my knee. I still had to go through all that rehab to earn my sp- starting position on the rugby team. right mm-hmm. So an individual must be an active participant in their own journey, in their own health, in their own business. Just hiring you and me doesn't guarantee jack mm-hmm. if they don't get out of bed and do something about it. And acknowledge and be vulnerable enough to say, hey, you know what? I'm really uncomfortable right now. I'm really... I'm avoiding stuff. I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm I'm, I'm confused. I'm lost. I'm mm-hmm. I'm biting off more than I can chew. I'm saying yes way too many times.
0: Mhm. Right. So important to even just acknowledge it, right? To yeah. normalize it. And uh, when it comes to, you know, your your scotch affinity, has that changed or is that something that you're looking at differently?
1: Oh my goodness. Such a great question. As yes. I take a sip. Yeah, it is so good, isn't it? So my challenge, I it became almost a new addiction. Not in a new addiction in drinking. I have a little lever in my brain that will not drink when I'm sad.
0: Well, that's great.
1: Yeah, and Mm. the reason is, um, I don't know. I don't want to meet angry Vince, and I definitely sad Vince. I don't want to meet angry sad Vince, and I don't want to give angry sad Vince alcohol. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I don't know what's on the other side of that. So I've all, you know, for a very long time, I've never ever abused alcohol. Haven't been, I would say, you know, drunk or whatever for a very long time. And, um, but what I was doing is I was still numbing. I was using retail therapy as a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And that's how my collection escalated so quickly. And I was, and we know it's a problem because I was hiding it from my wife. Mm. I'll buy a bottle, but when she's upstairs with the kids, or she's not home or something else, then I'll sneak it into the house yeah. and it'll slot into my collection and she won't even notice. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. So, and and what happened to kind of snap me out of that, to really snap me out of that, was um, I have this mountain bike, Kona Night. It's a 2001. It still works, <laughs> but it's so dated that there's no spare parts. Wow, okay. So I've been mountain biking this summer and I realized, like, my shock, my front fork does has very little rebound to it, so it's a pretty bumpy ride. It's mm-hmm. a full suspension bike that runs with a rigid fork and a saggy bum <laughs> 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 So I went to the bike store after and I realized, oh shit, if I want to buy a five thousand six thousand dollar mountain bike to ride what I want to ride, full suspension trail bike, mm-hmm. you know Santa Cruz um, high tower is what I got my eyeballs on right now. Mm-hmm. I got a bike and a half sitting in my house called Scotch right now.
0: Wow. Yeah. And
1: I've only, and that realization was two months ago. Mm. I've only boughten two bottles of Scotch since then.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and one, my wife was like, Hey, I want to buy you a bottle of Scotch. You've had, you've been, you know, she was actually giving me a gift and yeah. she let me choose it. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the other reason. It might've been a moment of absence of willpower in that moment in time, but yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I, I can relate to that. You know, it's interesting all the different coping mechanisms that we can use. And and I know I've been on my high horse before of like, I'm not addicted to anything. And then it's <laughs> like, wow, how much Lululemon does one person need? Wow. Well, you know? like, <laughs> how many Netflix shows can one person watch in a row? Or right. is this the third time I'm exercising today? Okay, well, that's interesting. Right. Right. It, there's so many different ways that we avoid ourselves.
1: People would. People might be surprised to know that anything that we enjoy, anything that's pleasurable—work, exercise, sex, drugs, alcohol, um, golf, acquisition of said scotch, right?
0: Personal development.
1: Personal development. Mm-hmm. These can all become addictions yeah. and actually be counterproductive, yeah. counterintuitive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Maladaptive.
1: There's a yes, maladaptive. Yeah,
0: I know. I actually uh, a couple years ago now, I challenged myself to see if I could go a whole year without buying any clothing, anything that was not needed, that was right. not necessary, and I did it. Nice. It was, and it was huge for me to. So just any clothing i or just I, I did buy a winter jacket because i needed one sure so that was my one caveat was like if i need something right. but i also knew like i really don't need anything so the winter jacket was um my one splurge for the year but i through the process it was noticing how many times i had the urge of like
2: oh, maybe yeah. i'll just
0: check online and see what's there or like well oh, maybe i'll just go walk around the mall and as soon mm. as i would notice that and be like okay what just happened right right before I had that impulse what was I feeling
1: cue routine there we go reward right
0: yeah and it was the most liberating very difficult at first of how many times I had that impulse to avoid to go entertain myself right Um, but in in the end it was huge I I rarely buy anything now isn't that neat yeah
1: so you just in your story you made me remember the other bottle Mm. Um, and so first of all the cue or the trigger is an email or walking into a liquor store. So if I was going there to buy something, maybe a bottle of wine, yeah. I'd definitely go look at the scotch. Mm-hmm. Right? I got pretty good at that. But the emails, emails are different because they're flash sales. Hmm. Now we're dealing with scarcity. Um, now we're dealing with like limited edition, mm-hmm. which is exa- more scarcity. And it's like only today or only this week, more <laughs> scarcity.
0: If you act now.
1: So... Yeah. I get this email, um, a Glen Rothis thirty-one year, two hundred and forty dollars. Like that's unheard of to find a thirty-one year bottle of any whiskey in single malt. Mm-hmm. You're looking at least four hundred and fifty dollars and up. Wow. Okay, for a thirty for a thirty year bottle. Okay. And if you pick a name like Balvenie, which is a very widely um, popular brand, a thousand. Wow. You're looking at McAllen. I don't even know how much. Like an 18-year McAllen, I think a 25-year McAllen is close to like $3,500. So you get into the three grand business. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or sorry, the 30-year business. So, but now it's normally $300, which is $100 less than anybody else, $150 less than anybody. And it's X percent off. I, mm-hmm. bought, I bought a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so I bought, not a bad bottle. <laughs> So uh, yeah, like I said, I have two bottles since my realization that I need a new mountain bike more than I need a new bottle of scotch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the process in self-reward of rewarding myself for not buying every single day. Mm-hmm. I made it another day without buying a bottle. Yeah. And I'm I'm a dollar closer to owning a new mountain bike that's going to be very forgiving on my body and one that I can oh. buy parts for when I wreck it. Yeah. And I can actually enjoy it. Right.
0: And I love that you're being so compassionate with yourself through the process. You know, rewarding yourself every day for not doing it instead of berating yourself on the days that you do end up doing it. Right. You know, it's Geber Mate says uh, addiction is really just the attempt to solve a problem. And when we can start looking at these different coping mechanisms or addictions or um whatever we want to call them and really just recognize this is actually a beautiful adaptation my body is trying to protect me you know right. of course it's not serving me anymore right but and, it's it's a really beautiful mechanism
1: and to under that was what you just said was so helpful because you know my my therapist said the same thing in that these behaviors that that I've been doing they've been they've been ingrained in my body in my mind to keep me safe it's just that I no longer need to deploy those behaviors because I'm actually not safe now right so you know turtling and hiding and staying in bed these are I'm I'm acting on these these pathways that are designed to keep me safe it's Mm -hmm. just that again like you said it's not serving me yeah so Mm -hmm. um rich roll a recovering alcoholic and Mm -hmm. ultra athlete he he um from uh, recovering addiction to alcohol he said no matter how far I am down the road, the distance into the ditch is still the same.
2: Mm.
0: Wow, yeah, that's powerful. You know, yeah. he could
1: be a thousand miles down the road of sobriety, and yet the distance into the ditch is still 20 feet.
0: Right, still right next to him.
1: And so no matter how far I am down the road of putting my money away, for example, for a bike. Because remember, I've got a wife and kids and a mortgage and yeah. they have school and they have projects and they have aspirations. I yeah. That takes priority over scotch.
2: hmm
1: But, um, and a mountain bike. So, um, but yeah, it's less about buying a bike. That, be, that was the initial aha, like stop buying scotch if you want a bike, Vincent. Yeah. And more of, holy smokes, I actually don't, I have enough scotch in my home. Let's just call it an even hundred bottles. hmm Um, if you, and I only really drink two ounces in an entire evening,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, times 26 servings per bottle, times a hundred. That's a lot of, that's a lot of whiskey. You
0: got more than enough. I
1: got more than enough. (laughs) Like when is enough enough? How about a year ago? Uh. But let's not, you know, let's remain compassionate and say today, Hey, what Mm -hmm. happened in the past is real. Uh, Not to diminish any of that, but it's, it's, it's real. But what happens next is the most important thing,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: which is to not buy a bottle today and not open that email. When I see Willow Park, Kensington Wine Market, Craft sellers in, because I'm on all four of those mailing. (laughs) Now you could say just unsubscribe, but it's an exercise in willpower Mm -hmm. to see the email and then just hit delete. Yeah, definitely. And then sometimes I'll look at it. I'll scroll, I'll see it, and I'll hit delete, also an exercise in willpower. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of the day, my willpower is certainly stronger in the beginning of the day than the end of the day. So me opening up a Scotch email at the end of the day, I might pull out the credit card. So I right. I always look at those Scotch email at those.
0: Yeah, knowing your boundaries.
1: Which is the reason why I have a bag of M&Ms in my car, not to eat it, but to strengthen my willpower.
2: Mm,
0: I actually, I had a client that said that that's how he practiced willpower. He, yeah. he would sit with a bag of candy or popcorn and, and one moment at a time, he'd pick one up and then put it right back, yeah, and I've, he just did that over and over and over again,
2: yeah.
0: which I thought was fascinating. To me, yeah. it's you know this I've said this before on the podcast, and I'm a huge fan of exposure therapy. Yes. So yes. you know for that example of well, I could yeah. just unsubscribe from all the emails. You know, for some people that might be the best route, but for me, the, in my experience, that's another avoidance. Yes. It's like, okay, if it's yeah. out of sight, it's out of mind well, am I actually making progress or am I just avoiding yeah. what I need to build a better relationship with?
1: Yeah, no judgment to anybody who's trying to avoid a situation. Right? They know that as soon as they're in this environment, it's the wheels come off. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no shame or judgment around that. Yeah. As we progress, as I progress, I can now have this, you know, like, I just love peanut chocolate covered m ms mm-hmm. yeah. um, Me too. So they are in my car, in my side door where I can see them because that's where my, that's where I, put something else when I need to leave the vehicle. Mm-hmm. So when I get into the vehicle, that's where that something else is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, um, so that when I, the first thing I see when I get in my vehicle is this bag of M&Ms. Mm-hmm. And if I've had a, a moment that was unpleasant, remember human result, one of the reasons for human suffering is, um, is avoiding things that are unpleasant. Yeah. Then there's that, Hey, there's this quick fix Mm-hmm. throw an m&m in this my mouth make
0: you feel better yeah <laughs> for a moment right yeah man.
1: so just because it's not a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction addiction is real yeah and if unchecked it can be really hurtful yeah you know
0: you know i'll, I'll share something uh well actually that's um are you ready to sip this other one
1: i gotta drain my first one yeah. <laughs> I <don't>, drain it <laughs> there's, there's less than a teaspoon there's in here
0: two drops in there Chug, chug, chug. So if you
1: have anything left in here, and I you do. do, so that's that grain, that single grain 28-year, just have a smell of that glass. Right?
0: Mmm, it still smells so good.
1: Yeah, now pull up the uh, the Glenrothes 21-year. Now what do you smell?
0: Whoa, this one smells... I smell more fruit okay. than this one.
1: Yeah. And, and like... Yeah, so smell wise we're gonna get some we could get some similar or different smells on the mm-hmm. nose, right? For sure. So back through that, you know strawberry? spicy strawberry.
0: Okay. Strawberry gasoline. <laughs> strawberry flavored
1: gasoline. <laughs> and our nose doesn't have to go too far, like again, depending on experiences. We like just oh, I don't need a, okay. we don't have to shove like <laughs> I'm not saying we did this.
0: I did do it though. I'm. I'm I was that's trying what to, we do I with was, wine, right?
1: Right. Just shove the nose right in there. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: Oh yeah. That.
1: We can just kind of the nose can just kind of hover over the t- mouth of the glass versus right in the glass. It's a much different experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought you had to get your nose right in there because I watched this unknowing. We didn't realize it was a bit of a comedy. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, that's how I get a jam and I get my nose in there. Oh, that's right how you there. do it.
0: But oh, my yeah. first sip is through my nostrils. Okay.
1: Yeah. And keep your mouth open on these higher alcohol content. Remember, this is 50.9. Right. Okay. So by keeping your mouth open when you breathe in, the impact of the alcohol vapors is, isn't going to blow out your nasal cavity. Interesting.
0: I'm pretty obsessed with nasal breathing right now, so that's really hard for me. You want me to open my mouth?
1: You, you don't have to. You just blow out your brain. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: What do you smell with this one?
1: Gasoline. Yep. gasoline's always present, mm-hmm. but this one for me lighter, less floral, more fruity, mm-hmm. spicy. On the fruit side, I'm gonna play the safe game and say I I, I can I can pull the citrus out of that.
2: Mm.
1: Not orangey citrus, but definitely a citrus. Yeah. yeah. Um, when people start talking about like roasted marshmallows and dried caramel and all these things, I don't, I, I never, marzipan and blackberries, you know, lentils. I'm not getting you know, it.
0: <laughs> some curry.
1: There's one, there's, there's this particular Brookladdy, uh, 2009 organic, and it's amazing. And. Like peaches. It just blows up with peaches mm. on the nose and on the palate. Wow. Yeah, very, at first, quite unsettling actually, because peaches isn't something I want in my whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, and
0: got used to, used to it.
1: There's an expression if you don't like it, you drank it on the wrong day. Yeah. So I tried it another day. Yeah. And you know what? I fell in love.
0: It's a Sunday scotch. So mm.
1: again, noth- nothing salty, nothing briny, nothing smoky. Mm
0: mm. Earthy?
1: bit of earth, yeah.
0: Like a bit of wood, maybe?
1: Yeah. Mm. But definitely nice. Like, I could just sniff. I could probably just play and sniff for 10 minutes and just enjoy all that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a very rich experience just smelling it. Hmm. I taste a bit of caramel. Yeah. yeah.
1: Very dry, compared yeah. to the last one. Yes. Less sweet.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Nice after.
1: Very nice aftertaste. Very afterbirth, nice finish,
0: as I like to say. Afterbirth. Oh, a lovely afterbirth.
1: That's a unique descriptor. <laughs> <laughs> and so with a bourbon cask, I always like meat oh, right. with it. Yeah.
0: Our charcuterie board.
1: Yeah, so I just had the uh, honey lime wagyu beef thrive bar. Mm. Thrive provisions.
0: Man, this is so nice. Lovely.
1: Yeah. Um, mm. This would also be really nice with a like with a, a I like a, a dense cheese. Oh yeah. Like one you need a meat cleaver to carve a slice off mm-hmm. of, versus um, brie, which you could spoon out.
0: Yeah love cheese the stinkier
1: the better i don't know um. if i should be chewing so close to the microphone <laughs> yeah, we're both anyway, like, my wife has uh <laughs> she hates the sound of chewing who knew there was a lot of people out there that don't like the sound of chewing
0: i had a friend growing up who was very sensitive to the sounds of chewing or cracks or anything yeah, yeah so i get it it was very unsettling to be with her for long periods of time because i make lots of noise <laughs> well, I was going to say that one of um, – this is – I haven't really shared this much, actually. I've been trying to practice containment, which is really difficult for me because mm. I'm a big sharer. But I also recognize that I I learn and grow at such an exponential rate that when I share things, yes. when they're still yeah. kind of in the beginning. Still processing? It, yeah. that it's Still
1: sitting and wrestling?
0: Yeah. It can be um, – well, yeah, there's various reasons why that's not always necessarily the best way to go about things. But I uh, it's really interesting because this second season of the podcast, it as you um, experienced in our first conversation together, was that this is really about higher levels of consciousness. And it was mm-hmm. I brought up the conversation of cannabis with um, each of my guests and. Through the process of coming into this second season and engaging in different ways of elevating consciousness, and you know, using breathwork and meditation and scotch, um, being outdoors, going for hikes, I've actually I got to the point where I recognized, you know, speaking of coping mechanisms, that cannabis, while it's a wonderful plant and I'm a huge fan of it, um, it was my main coping mechanism. Hmm and I have so many tools, I have so much knowledge in other ways to regulate myself and I, I want to feel more and I got to this point where I just was seeing myself get a little bit uncomfortable and then it would just, it would be this impulse of like, oh I just need to get high and finally I was, you know I, I've been aware of this to be honest for a few years but I just kept coming back to it um, and justifying it and um, and that just got to a point about five weeks ago, where I recognized that's this is not serving me anymore. Good and for you. Yeah, so I I just quit, and it was really you know speaking of things get worse before they get better. I was a bit of a stress case for a couple of weeks because obviously I wasn't um, numbing myself out anymore. Yeah,
1: well you're re- you know you're recognizing the cue, uh, and then what's the routine after that, and what's the reward after that? Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah and rewards can be a lot of things Mm um i use self-soothing as a reward like um you know just just hands on my arms and from shoulders down to my elbows just kind of self-soothe and just say you know what you made it through the day yeah um that's another you know another gym workouts done um good job on closing the pantry door you know just hey just we're one step closer to eating less you know for me little wafer cookies Mm. you know food i eat my emotions Mm. often in the past so uh i'm blessed with a body that doesn't that kind of disperses weight everywhere Mm. but i'm 250 and five i believe i'm 511 yeah (laughs) my wife says you're not i've shrunk a little bit well i'm I'm six
0: foot so we can stand back (laughs) back you're definitely taller than me
1: (laughs) but that self-reward of you know what the day is done. I made it through. Mm-hmm. Um, and something, if I may, yeah. that I have done that has worked exceptionally well for me is a mind-body scan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So first thing in the morning on the way to the gym, I used to listen to music or just kick in my podcast and away I'd go. Yeah. Now it's silence. Yeah. And it's what am I thinking? Sorry, what is what do I feel in my body? Mm-hmm. That's the first one. And first thing in the morning, I feel my ankles are sore yeah. and my certain my ankle joints and my knees are sore which to me tells me um dehydration mm-hmm. and all of this is to collect data this isn't to solve anything right. this is just a scan it's
0: building a relationship with your so, body
1: so so the five senses and then the joints like mm-hmm. what am I feeling in my body what's my feeling in my stomach and then um what do I feel emotionally and at that time of day I'm like I don't really feel anything yeah I feel good I feel alive I feel present I feel and I go through this yeah and then lastly what am I thinking and when I first practiced this it was once a week now it's multiple times a day yeah. and it's probably been a month since this strategy was introduced to me and so that has been helpful because I know my body so well mm-hmm. today compared to a month ago and I'm sure a month from today I'll know my body even better oh, yeah. But I know exactly that I'm acutely aware of the condition of my hearing, my sight, my sense of smell, my sense of taste, mm-hmm. um, and my sense of touch, mm-hmm. and my stomach, and what my gut feels like. Yeah. Where okay. before I was completely oblivious to all of that.
0: Yeah. We and were again, very it's just analytical dominant, right? Of just thinking and keep going, and, you know, feeling's not really something that we're necessarily, well, at least for many of us, we're not really taught that it's. Yeah. Something to pay attention to.
1: And when I had any particular feeling or emotion, it was I'd try to figure out,
2: oh, why, why am I feeling this way? Right.
1: Now I just go, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit anxious today. Mm. I wonder why. Hmm, interesting. And then on the way home from the gym, huh, I noticed that that feeling of anxiousness isn't there anymore. Mm. So I didn't try to fix it. I just acknowledged it and I moved back. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: that's really good.
1: So you're five weeks. Yeah. I cut you off
0: no that's beautiful I love that you shared that that's um definitely a huge part of my daily practice and it's gotten to the point for me where um so I'm around canvas every single day and I just don't like again I have this appreciation for it I think it's beautiful sure um and I just don't yeah I don't want it in my body right now I'm I'm feeling yeah. really good with um yeah it's same as what you just said of like if I notice I'm I'm stressed or I'm anxious it's Instead of, okay, what can I do to fix this? It's, oh, right. okay, what am I really feeling? What am I noticing? You know, wh- where am I feeling that in my body? How am I breathing right now? How, Like, what position am I sitting in? Yes. Have I moved recently? Could I go, like, lay on the floor? Can I go do something to open up my heart a little bit? You know, they're, instead of just trying to go into a completely different direction of, let me solve this and fix it, it's more of, well, how could I open myself up so I can actually meet this sensation and be with it instead of feeling like I need to get rid of it. Right. And it's changed everything. Isn't that
1: interesting? Mm -hmm. Instead of feeling like you have to get rid of it. Yeah. Like it's a cancer.
0: Yeah. Or that it's wrong. What's wrong with
1: feeling sad? Right. What's wrong with feeling you know frustrated? Grief. Grief. What's wrong with any of these things? Yeah. And, And it sounds like so I won't project what you did, but for me, I I buried, I hid, yeah. I lied um, emotionally yeah. about my legitimate state, and I numbed. Yeah, you know, food. Uh, like I said, I don't drink when I'm feeling sad, but f- certainly food, mm-hmm. ice cream, chips, mm-hmm. um, sweets, and Netflix. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. you know, we have so many accessible coping mechanisms. Right.
1: Or, or probably worst of all of this. Um, less than ever before, uh, was social, just yeah, endless uh, scrolling. Yeah, in yeah. social and Facebook is my drug of choice. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the algorithms. Mm-hmm. So just uh, now I less like I unfollow, not because they're bad people, but because their story is having a negative impact on my story. Right. Yeah. While their intent was great, the impact of their behavior is triggering, cueing what. What we're just you know
0: yeah yeah and we have enough of that we don't need to be seeking more of it
1: so becoming right. an active participant in my own journey of health yeah and literally enough. rebuilding myself emotionally mm-hmm. not physically but emotionally mm. um yeah
0: yeah i, I was watching a, there's a documentary on netflix right now called the social dilemma is amazing. Mm. But one of the things that really stood out to me is they're talking about our, our addiction to our phones, um, primarily right. to social media, but just the phone in general. Sure. And they refer to it as the adult pacifier. Yes. And that just really struck a chord with me because that's you know when you're bored, what do you do? You pick up your phone, you're feeling a little uneasy. okay what's going on, on you know on Facebook or it's this instant gratification yeah. to avoid what's coming up for you. You know, it's it's such a it can be such a detriment.
1: How long have you been how long have you been aware of Andrew Huberman?
0: Uh, three months.
1: Okay, so he talks about this, and he mm-hmm. said on. I'm not sure if it was Rich Roll or if this was this woman and her podcast escapes me for some, but I could certainly find it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he talked about, he doesn't believe it's so much of a dopamine hit when we scroll on social media, it's definitely there, mm-hmm. but it's actually not the big one. It's serotonin. Mm. We're trying to reconnect with people, but online we don't really connect, but there's this feeling that we have. yeah. And, and it, so he said it, it, it for sure it's equally as much serotonin as dopamine, but the real challenge he said was we're not taking a moment to just deregulate, to mm-hmm. dysregulate. Yeah. We're we're using boredom as the cue to grab the phone, like shit. Some people and I start with myself. I've I've been that guy at a red light, a really long red light. I'll just I'll just quickly check. I, oh yeah. And there was a text when I was driving. Let me just see who it was now while well, I'm stopped.
2: Yeah. I've done that. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm.
1: And this, I you know, to be comfortable with boredom.
0: Right. Idle time.
1: Idle time is okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's so important. It's actually
1: when we start to process. Yeah. But we're eliminating the opportunities of process and to, to mm-hmm. for some of these new ideas that we've learned in the day to land and to kind of anchor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is so similar, I think, to the, what I brought up about containment. Right. And instead mm. of getting into this process, <clears throat> i constantly come back to this. regurgitating of sure. I just learned this. That, let me share this to you, even though it's like broken English and I don't fully understand what's happening or what I just learned. But I feel like I need to now project it onto somebody else instead of, well, just sit with it. Right. You know, watch it play out. Notice how it might affect you or impact you the next time you have a conversation or, you know, it, things need to take time to integrate. And if we don't have space or idle time or downtime, then we're just constantly you know rolling at you know the fastest speed possible and and then we burn out yeah right the ceiling becomes really low when we don't take time
1: yeah we wouldn't we wouldn't expect a car to just give her at at a speed let's just use 100 kilometers an hour 60 miles an hour we wouldn't expect anybody to just drive that car quickly pull over jam more gas in and quickly go right right Mm -hmm. I mean not just for the car but for the driver
2: yeah
0: unless you're a NASCAR driver and you're yeah
1: (laughs) and that's high intensity for a short period of time Mm -hmm. so eventually the vehicle is going to need if we just continuously did that eventually if you're driving a fossil fuel car you need an oil change and if you're driving a Tesla eventually you need to get more electricity Mm -hmm. you've also got to do software updates all these things
2: right Mm -hmm.
1: so we treat our so we don't do that, right? We let our phones recharge, we let our Apple Watch recharge, we let our vehicles recharge, but we don't do that. And I'm speaking we in general, I'm not picking on anyone in particular. Yeah, I'm just saying yeah. we in general as a society yeah. don't stop to pause.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's in the pause
2: mm-hmm. where
1: some of the re- aha moments come from, and right. some of that processing, and just to 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 uh, to dysregulate.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's, what's interesting, too, is you, know, you mentioned your, your role that you're on right now of going to the gym every single day. And one of the things that I've been really practicing and learning in the last few months is, is learning about, for, for women, we have a, a cycle called the infradian cycle. So not only do we run on this 24-hour biological clock, but, but women also have this 28 to 32-day biological right. clock. And, and it works in four phases that are aligned with the seasons and i'm i'm I, th- I think this is a common experience for men and women is that we're um masculine dominant you know even just that notion of we need to be hustling we need to be going all the time that's a masculine energy you know That is not again it's this is not about female and male this is just types of energy we all have right. masculine and feminine but we are masculine dominant in general and i i definitely am or have been for most of my life i've prioritized and um and then seen you know the masculine energy in my life as you know better than for various reasons Ah. and in discovering this and recognizing that i've been trying to create the same kind of effort every single day day in day out and then being hard on myself when i get to the point where like i need to slow down and then this idea that, well, other people are not slowing down. They must be doing something better than me. Hmm. They know something I don't know. And, sure. Right? And then so it becomes you know something that becomes a shame cycle or, or something that right. I feel like I need to be doing something different or better to be able to optimize my physical health and my energy levels. And, and so now aligning with this four-phase cycle and recognizing that if I actually want to have sustainable energy and create this trajectory of growth i need to honor my periods of of winter that happen every single month right right and so there are times of the month where i naturally am going to have more energy and i can get things done and i'm creative and i'm collaborative and i'm going to be able to be more social and there are very natural biological times of the month where I need to come back to myself a little bit more. I need more self-care. I'm not going to be pushing as hard at the gym.
1: Are you familiar with, is it Glennon Doyle?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Untamed. Untamed. It-
1: yeah, mm-hmm. my wife is reading her book. Yeah, and she, I think, is talking about something very, very similar.
0: Oh, I'm I'm listening to it right now on Audible, so I haven't I haven't gotten okay. to the
1: end of it. Okay, I swear my wife just brought up these, you know, four-week cycles, mm. and it had nothing to it had less to do with being a woman and more to do with being a human, okay. and yeah. seasons. Yeah, and it affects. It's different for women, obviously, because of your natural biological cycle, but yeah. men have it too. Right, and um. Mm. So the books on my to to read list. Yeah, uh, my wife is finding a, a lot of value out of that book. That's great.
0: Yeah, and I that that makes sense. Know all about Doyle's
1: um, history, mm. but um, she
0: talks about it in the book. She goes yeah. in depth. Like she yeah. used to be a, a very, uh, I think she was Christian and and was an author within the Christian right. Um, realm of talking about family and um, and her husband cheated on her and she then wrote a book about what it took to like bring the family back together and, and then she discovered that she's a lesbian. Yes. And yeah, her story is amazing. And she
1: marries that lady from the uh, U.S. National Women's Soccer Team. Yes. And I forget her name, but I remember, I remember. watching that team win
2: mm. at the
1: Olympics on tv because i wasn't there yeah. but just that team was so incredible and in how they gelled anyways mm. to see her happy today and i mm. saw a short interview with the both of them mm. it was really it was really neat to see them talk about yeah. their relationship with their past and with their present and their yeah. kids and
2: yeah
1: and the well, grace they and give I'm, each other
0: i hope uh yeah as i move through the book i'm Maybe like you as well, I have many books on the go simultaneously, depending yeah. on, the, you know, the energy that I'm in. But right now I have like five books that I'm halfway through. Uh, and that's one of them. And But I, I like the idea that, yes, of course, women have this biological clock. But why would it not be the case for men as well?
1: I recall Danita, my wife, saying I, that men have this cycle too. Mm-hmm. Um, different. Yeah. but. You know, we're human beings and, you know, we're men and women are like, I think through a lot of psychologist research, we're like 60, 65% identical Mm. in many, many ways about how we think and behave and on and on. And then it's that remaining 40, 35% where we see our differences in temperament. Mm. Um, So we could say in general, women are more agreeable than men. Mm -hmm. In general, women are more compassionate than men Um, in general. And we can make these sort of things, um, Um, the big five temperaments trait. Are you familiar with that?
0: Uh, I think, is that the Jordan Peterson thing? Yeah. You sent that to me a few weeks ago. Did I? I Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, so it's a widely respected, it's a widely respected assessment used by psychologists all over the world. Mm. It just so happens that the website I sent you is hosted by Jordan Peterson. Um, and, and that's, that's it. And so, um. When you get the results, you answer a hundred questions. Many of the questions are the same question, just answered, a, just asked a, a different way. Mm. And you're like, um, you you enjoy conflict with other humans, right? So strongly disagree, disagree, neutral, agree, strongly agree. Okay. So that question will be asked like five or six times or whatever, just mm. differently. Yeah. So what I what came out of that assessment for me is I I rank low on the I rank. High in, I rank sort of average on agreeableness. Really high in compassion in the 85th percentile, but very low on politeness. Mm -hmm. Four out of a 100, in fact. I'm in the fourth percentile in politeness. So that doesn't mean I'm indifferent or differential to authority. I respect authority. I comply with authority. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you get my respect. You have to earn my respect. Mm -hmm. And secondly when we come up with rules and new bylaws and Jonathan Haidt's social psychology, he lends some really interesting insights here too, which I'll I'll quickly touch. But um, if I didn't co-create the rules, then you're not going to, just because I'm not going to follow, right? Yeah. And Jonathan Haidt calls that, uh, um, um, man, the first word always escapes me. Um, It'll come to me. So in, inside of this, so let's take something real world right now, the COVID and the mask bylaw, right? I, I didn't resist the mask bylaw because I think masks are stupid and they don't work or this. It's just, I, you didn't ask for my opinion mm-hmm. and you didn't give me enough evidence for me because I'm not an idiot. I'm still online listening to other people, um, in the medical community on what they think they believe in masks from Sweden, from United States, from Canada and, and, and abroad. So, yeah. um, so, um, oh man, the name escapes me. Anyways, so John. So in inside of that, uh, on the conscientious side, I'm I'm really low on on uh, the first trait of that. So it's two traits. One is orderliness and industriousness. So on industriousness, I rank quite low, like in the 20s, hmm. which means I'm way more in because of this compassion. I'm way more interested in people problems than I am administrative problems. Mm, okay. Okay, so I'm easily distracted from administrative problems, but I can hyper-focus on people problems. Yeah. I'm very, I'm I'm sort of mean standard. I'm 48 and a half on, on uh, orderliness. And a lot of that might be due to the military. Mm. Just a lot of orderliness. So while I do like calendars and scheduling and, and um, and uh, you know, email Email confirmation on appointments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't mind a little bit of chaos. Mm-hmm. My house is rather neat because my wife is even more orderly than I am, but my office desk is a shit show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> little bits of paper and stuff. Yeah. So um, those two things are good, but I do need the benefit of a of of a VA of of my of my second brain, which is Lindy Rock over at Rock Solid. Dropping some names today. Shop local. (laughs) Uh, So Lindy's my VA. And Lindy helps me get a lot on the administrative side. She supports me there. And I could always employ and deploy her more often. So that's another thing. Besides that, nutrition. Mm. Anyways.
0: Did you hire her because of taking this personality test and recognizing that this is something you needed support in? No, we were already working together. (laughs) Okay.
1: And we originally met through through a cab. Um, through Sean Freeman's Cab Group, yeah, okay. But we took uh, the um, certified certificate of Applied Positive Psychology together. Okay. So then I got to know her really well, and mm. yeah.
0: Is this something that you get clients to do as well?
1: I do. Yeah. In fact, early days I was always using DISC, and I still would use DISC. I still find value in DISC, Mm-mm. but this one's really, really neat because when someone is. Uh, Like, it's not appropriate for me to disclose certain client uh, um, results, but I could tell you that, take a guy we already know, Sean Freeman. Yeah. Looking at the assessment, I can now see why, in part, why he is consistently successful at a lot of the things he does.
2: Hmm.
1: He is, he doesn't get caught up in social, social stuff. Now, he might start a dumpster fire. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's no secret to anybody. I love you, Sean.
0: (laughs) Sean on Facebook is hilarious. But uh, he
1: left Facebook. Oh, he did. Because he's valuing his time freedom more than the time on Facebook. Mm. I mean, Facebook, people have lost their ability to have any kind of reasonable discourse in a lot of spaces. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So, um, Mm. anyways, it, it doesn't mean like so... There's a there's a person out there. Their company's a billion dollars. I've seen their assessment. That person also is really low on or, um, or low on industriousness, meaning they leverage their EA as well, mm-hmm. and also very high in compassion. Also, um, sort of middle middle. And one of the challenges of being really high in compassion is, if we're so other centric, we actually don't advocate for our own behalf, yeah. and then we be, there's a risk of being resentful. Mm-hmm. So when we're on the extreme, you know, for me on being low on politeness, I'm actually can be a little bit abrasive when I disagree with with a particular rule that, you know, I didn't co-create.
0: Mm. And I guess knowing that about you, if that's something you can share with a client or someone you're working with, then yeah. when that happens, they're not going to go into like, oh, he doesn't like
1: me. Right. Someone very high in politeness is wired to avoid conflict. Yeah. Mm hmm. Whereas me, I'm not wired to avoid conflict. In this conversation today with a client, he's very, very high on politeness, mm-hmm. very, very high in compassion. All, all living things matter, and because of that, the downsides he might advocate for them so much that he doesn't advocate for himself, and that can that can show up when trying to earn a customer or trying to push an idea forward. Mm-hmm. Where, whereas me, I'm more than willing to say, you know what, I, I disagree, and let's let's talk I'll talk about it. Yeah. So it doesn't give me a permission to be an asshole unchecked i would be an asshole. Mm -hmm. it gives me hey some awareness
0: yeah that you have a tendency right yeah you know it's it reminds me of the the enneagram um because as i've been studying that one of the things that's really stood out to me is that it doesn't how would i it's not like it really taught me something that i didn't know about myself per Mm se but it gave me a this giant encompassing mirror to see myself more clearly And, and another visual I had was that it's, it's almost like as I'm, I'm doing the work of getting to know these different character strategies I have, coping mechanisms, different triggers I have, sometimes when I move into that realm of trigger, trigger land, um, it can feel like like a dark abyss of like, I don't understand why, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what's over to my left, I don't know what's over to my right. And right. with the Enneagram, it felt like this grid that just landed in this this area that I was not as familiar with so that I could start to navigate the terrain of these different character strategies right. or different wounds yeah. without getting lost.
1: And I I would describe th- things like the Enneagram and the Big 5 and the DISC and all these things yeah. they 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 they're not permission slips to behave in a certain way. Right.
0: This is just the way I am. Yeah, deal yeah. with it. <laughs>
1: no, it's it's um I always say all behavior is explainable, not to justify it, Mm -hmm. but to at least explain it. And if we can explain it, we can taproot it. We can go back to the original source. Mm -hmm. Instead of just putting lipstick on a pig, a Band-Aid on a wound, we can kind of taproot and go back to, you know, what's the actual cause of this behavior? And from there, we can do the work necessary so that the behavior is not getting in their way of future progress. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you can see it instead of... um, Yeah, feeling victim to it. Right, Mm -hmm. right. And again, it's that concept of once you can see it and you're aware of it and you can create some space you know, and and sit with it and be with it and maybe even have a conversation with it as it moves through your body, that gives you now an opportunity to make a different choice than what this pattern has cyclically kept you in for many years. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. So the word I was looking for from Jonathan Haidt, which Mm -hmm. is relevant right now, is... Consensual hallucination. Oh, super fascinating.
0: I love Jonathan Haidt. He's amazing. Yeah.
1: Right. So, for our listeners, Jonathan Haidt, H A I D T, and it's J O N A. So no, no H. Um, Jonathan Haidt. He was talking on uh, impact theory uh, just a couple of weeks ago. is when it published. can mm, okay, listen to that. So consensual, co- consensual. Hallucination. This is it okay. as kids, you know, you, me, the listeners, we were all kids in school, assuming we went to a brick and mortar school. We were all kids in school. We played on the big structure, you know, there's some sort of play structure mm-hmm. and we probably played a game, which I believe now is called grounders. But when I grew up, it was just called tag and you couldn't touch the ground cause the ground was lava. Yeah. So you could go anywhere on this play structure, playing the game of tag without getting, without touching the ground. And in the areas you could touch the ground, they were very, very specific so that you could access a different part of uh, the play structure. Mm -hmm. And this way there was no dead ends.
2: Right.
1: Because a dead end is like everyone's screwed, right? Mm -hmm. It's screwed for the guy that's getting caught, but it's also screwed for the guy that's doing the tagging because it's just a tag, 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 back and forth, and the person that tagged can't retreat. The person that got tagged can't go anywhere. So
0: Kids are smart. Kids are smart.
1: So (laughs) what they've done is consensually, you know, when we were in grade two, three, four, five, we manufactured this game. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, and we co-created the rules. Mm-hmm. We enforced the rules. We played by the rules, and and so all of a sudden that game becomes the game. And every time another round of kids comes up through kindergarten and grade one, they get taught the lessons, and a, and away we go. We play this consensual hallucination. The hallucination meaning this entire game has been manufactured.
0: Right, it's make believe. Yeah, it's yeah. make believe. It's not
1: science. It's just yeah. make believe. So now you and I join the school. We we enter the school in grade four. And we go to play this game. Well, why do we got to do that? That's stupid. That's not lava. I can touch the ground anytime I want. Mm-hmm. The kids are not going to let me play the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, screw you. you You're a stupid game. Because no one consulted me. There was no co-creation with me. Right? right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You follow? Yes. And then,
1: heaven forbid, two schools come together, and there's a band concert, and then we all get out early, and we all go play Grounders in the on the play track. Now you got kids from different schools. And they're both playing a similar game, but very, very different. And now we have new conflict because their rules are different than our rules. Mm-hmm. Follow? Mm-hmm. Again, no co-creation, no collaboration, just my rules. And, and they're all arbitrary. Yep. Back to consensual hallucination. Okay. Present time, mask bylaw. Yeah. Okay. How many jurisdictions in Alberta? How many have mask bylaws? How many don't? Mm-hmm. And so because, you know, the, any co-creation of these bylaws... Didn't include me, didn't include you. Um, some people will live in Calgary and drive to Okotoks or Airdrie or Cochrane for groceries because they refuse to wear a mask. Yeah. And then the other people will say, "They'll say, oh, you're just one of them. You're one of those blah, 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 dehumanize, insert dehumanizing language. You're a COVID idiot, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's not that at all. It's mm-hmm. this consensual hallucination. And one person's game has rubbed up against another person's game yeah. that they didn't participate in. And therefore, there's disagreement, there's anger, there's frustration, there's hate. Mm-hmm. But instead of looking at the science of it all and, and explaining the behavior, mm-hmm. people resort to "COVID idiot." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're just a sheeple. Yeah. And nothing is more hurtful than calling someone a sheeple when they, in their own household, co-created their own consensual hallucination, their own rules of the game for their school, for their family, their neighborhood, their community. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's where we have the. The
2: hmm.
0: That's really interesting.
1: Fascinating. Yeah. And what's really cool about the interview with Jonathan Haidt and Tom Billu on impact theory is that it's so relevant because it's Tom interviewed him in the midst of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're not talking about right or wrong, and they're not they're not pointing and blaming, and and they're just explaining the behavior yeah. and where our hearts and minds go under this, you know, stress and agitation.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, that's and so there's two things that come up. For me in this as well, and and now I'm thinking anytime I say that I forget what the second thing is. Um, (laughs) I should just not say that anymore. It always throws me off. So,
1: just trust yourself; it'll come. Thank you. It did for me. It will for you.
0: Yeah. Well, so one of the ways that I've been really practicing, you know, the COVID deniers, or yeah, the the conversations that start happening as you see people resisting um you know part of it is to recognize that that resistance or the the strong impulses people have that is really touching on a a wound within themselves and the other part is that how tension is actually really important if
1: intention or attention
0: tension tension
1: yeah yes go ahead
0: right so without anybody pushing against the rules or denying or or saying i'm not going to wear a mask if everyone just complied you know that i don't think that would actually be a good thing
1: i would agree with you
0: right I, I so i really as much as you know sometimes people can be a little bit obnoxious or in, in your face or very extreme about their opinions or they're not wanting to wear a mask you know i don't i don't think that's necessarily a part of it but it's it's that that bit of tension of that pushback that is really keeping the structure of, of our culture, of society, of people, of community. It keeps it intact. And there needs to be a balance. So this is part of the work that I do with Christine Wushki, one of my teachers, when it comes to understanding the body, understanding the universe, understanding energy, understanding the mind, the emotions, is actually feeling for that tension line. Sure. Right. It and makes it, perfect right? sense. Too much of anything is no right. longer a good thing. But a little bit of tension is actually helping us know, okay, where's the boundary?
1: For sure. So um, take a car. The suspension functions with shocks and springs. Mm. If it was all shocks, it'd be a really rough ride. Right. And if it was all springs, it'd be a really bouncy ride. Mm. So the shocks and the springs work together Mm. to take all the unnecessary bounce. Yet when we hit a bump, we hit a pothole because we live in Calgary. Yeah. (laughs) It also absorbs the springs absorb the bounce and the shocks dampen it yeah. so that we don't bounce all over the place, but it's not like a big thud and we launch out of our car. Mm-hmm. So we need the spring and the, and the, and the shock together. And Andrew Huberman, serious love for Andrew Huberman today, yeah. right? Yeah. He talks about lumpers and pickers and lumpers are everyone that agrees and puts everything in their thing. And right. you know, yeah. it's this follow, 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 and just lo- blind loyalty to comply. And then the pickers are like, whoa, 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 whoa. And they start picking away. Uh, I don't like this. I don't like that. And we need them both. Yes. And this was with him and Joe Rogan, really great episode. And he's, and he, and he back, you know, from a COVID perspective, he said the problem in the United States is that, um, Anthony Fauci is the only voice for the, for the federal government to talk about COVID and what they really could benefit from is all the other people behind the team and just, um you know, show up and let this person and this person this person express their opinions because every scientist, there is tension, there is a rub. Mm-hmm. It's just that we only have one voice right. to communicate. Yeah. In Canada, it's TAM in the United States. It's Fauci. Yeah. And he, And so his advice would work well on both sides of the border is that we need this ver, this variety of medical experts. Right.
0: see, a panel. A yeah. panel.
2: Yeah.
1: They use the uh, space shuttle explosion as an example mm. one of the panelists was really articulate so he became the voice but he always spoke with his panel present
2: mm.
1: and they would you know they all had you know here's what and here's why the shuttle exploded and collectively they figured it out um, and, and and anyway so but they they had this panel and that's what yeah. we could benefit from too in mm. both Canada and the United States is yeah. this panel so it's not just this one voice yeah so which ultimately results in a you're either with me or against me mm-hmm. Right, you either lump in the lumpers or the clumpers, the same. Mm -hmm. Either clump in with Fauci, and or you're a picker and you're clearly on the other side and you you don't care, you don't believe, and you're you know right yeah. And then back to this dehumanizing language and and just inability to have civil discourse.
0: Yeah, that is so fascinating. You know, it just makes me think too of the importance of even the, the voices within ourselves. You know, if you could start to think of it as like, oh, this is my panel. Like every, every voice matters. And, you know, I'm going to have parts of me that are extreme on either end. Yeah. And instead of, you know, trying to cut them off or cut them out and say, these are wrong or these these are bad, but to actually be like, no, these are really important parts of my panel. And they help me find balance and that tension point.
1: Huberman w- said that as scientists, I posted this on Facebook, I believe yesterday on my personal page. I think I made it public, but it doesn't matter hmm. that. He said as scientists we have tools to help people deal with stress as, pu- as, t- as scientists we have tools to help people strengthen their immune system. If we just listen to mainstream media media, mask, wash your hands physically distance mm-hmm. but no one's talking about exercise, nutrition, sleep, water right so he says as, as scientists we have an obligation to to share the tools of strengthening our s- biological physiological and, and psychological immune system. Mm-hmm. And we're not doing that, yeah. and he, we're doing humanity a massive disservice. Mm-hmm. There's so much tension and chaos and just unnecessary chaos. Yeah. And so, left to our own devices, oh, it's frustrating. I'm pissed off. Here comes Netflix. Here comes wine. Here comes more work. Here comes more gym. Here comes more whatever substance abuse, uh, you know, environmental abuse.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and nothing productive happens. Right. Yeah. except for more hurt, more pain. Yeah. say If we could remain compassionate and curious and less condemning and convinced, what would the world look like?
0: Mm. That's a world I want to live in. Me too. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of uh, immune strength, uh, let's talk breath work. I'm really curious to hear what you've been learning and what you've been practicing. And maybe we should we start sipping our final yeah. drink here?
1: So, same thing. Finish off this Glen Roth. You know, have that last little sip and smell. Okay. Kind of get that into your head of what this is. Still smell the fruit. And so, for the, you know, for those listening, we're now, it's a Brook Black Art 5.1. This is a little 200 mil bottle. Craft sellers here in Calgary. Shop local. (laughs) Um, They've got it on the shelf behind the point of sale. And, um. It's about a $350 bottle if you went for the, the 750 Okay. So I was really grateful they had the little one. Yeah. I have a, a 4.1 full-size bottle, and I'm afraid to open it up because there's very few left in the in the world, let alone. I do have a source in Calgary, I might share. <laughs> okay, so what do we have for color? You know, we've got sort of bronzy Yeah. in color. Um, we never talked about this in the past ones because we had different glasses, but the legs on it are... Um, Actually, can't see the legs. That's probably because I'm half. My glasses aren't on. But you know, the legs are a little slow. They're not super fast.
0: Very slow. Oh my goodness! It's like syrup. The line just stays there. I don't see any legs. Is that possible? This drink has no legs.
1: They're they're subtle. They're there, but they're oh, subtle, and they don't goodness. they don't start right away. Say that. Say that again.
0: Well, first I said, "Oh my goodness." <laughs> I
1: know, right?
0: It smells. Well, syrupy. It smells very sweet compared. Yeah.
1: And now this has been sitting for the length of the podcast so far. Yeah. So, however long that is,
0: like a tiny bit of gasoline, but nothing like the the others.
1: Nothing like the others, and still forty eight percent. So you're only two points away from the Glenrothes, which is fifty point wow. nine. So very different.
0: Yeah. Floral, sweet, fruity
1: some some wood in there I, yeah. I, I i fail to know if it's if i'm smelling oak or whatever i know I mean, it's the I'm cask so basic. is punk,
0: but yeah i can smell wood and
1: flowers there's a particular drink i forget which what it was but i could i could smell wet sawdust really yeah
0: usually it's once someone else says what they can smell that's when i go oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can smell that well too. It, it
1: our perception it's like a laser beam onto All our right. focus and we go oh yeah i do get that yeah if I don't know if there's tasting notes on the bottle.
2: That'd be helpful. Um,
1: that'd be helpful. <laughs> if we were like Joe Rogan, we'd have a little computer and we'd just kind of look it I know. Up on the fly. No, we'd have
0: an assistant. and We'd say, hey, yeah. Google this.
1: So very different, but yes, very sweet, very floral. Yeah. Some spice.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm excited to, to sip this. Have a go. Oh, a little punchy. Mm. This one's making me burp.
1: <laughs> there mm. is a funny little aftertaste that I refuse to say out loud. Because <laughs> you'd be like, why is that flavor in your mouth? Tell me. I cannot. <laughs> not. Not on a. Not live like this. Okay, I get it. I but get it. Yeah, when you stop the record, I would I would tell you because I know you won't judge me. Never. Now that second smell after the taste, Do you get a different anything different on the nose now.
0: Yeah, because my mouth is on fire. Well, not really. That's interesting. But I it... get nutmeg. Oh. My mouth has so much sensation and taste in it that I actually can't smell right now. It's a flavor bomb. Yeah. It's... Yeah, that's a much different experience than the others. Yeah. It, like, explodes in your mouth a bit.
1: I don't remember if Jim McEwen, who was the distillery master at the time, when 4.1 came out, Mm -hmm. if he was still around for 5.1. But whoever his um, understudy was, and I forget his name. I want to say it's Adam. Mm Mm-hmm uh adam is continued like he was an exceptional student of jim McEwen. like jim jim McEwen in scotland is synonymous with scotch all around the world wow. so um yeah hmm. and and this one like always a short pour because it's such a small bottle but i just love this and there was no way i could just drink this by myself so mm. i had to bring this
0: well, i'm honored yeah this is very special yeah we go like
1: just that. for just Here for cost to. perspective uh, the Glenrothes is uh, about one hundred and fifty dollars for that bottle, full size bottle. Uh, well, it's, sev- it's seven hundred mils, not seven fifty. And the and the Invergordon twenty eight year grain, I believe that one was about one fifty, one sixty. Mm. And this is a hundred dollars for just the two hundred mils. It's three fifty for the whole bottle.
2: Wow. And
1: I would think whoever would spend that much money on a bottle of scotch it makes no sense. But if if you really just recognize, like, Scotch isn't about pounding. Like, we're not a cowboy shooting, banging right. shots back, right? Yes. Like, this is an experience.
0: Definitely, yeah. It's for sipping and enjoying.
1: Which is why I always say, like, if people struggle for a gift for me, it's a gift card to Kensington Wine Market, mm-hmm. right? Because it's an experience. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Every bottle will be it will eventually be drunk. <laughs>
2: mm.
1: Yeah, I could just I could play in this all for, for a while. It's so good, so, so good. So lovely,
0: yeah. Yeah, speaking of McEwen, it's one of my, um, someone that got me really fascinated with breathwork is Patrick McEwen. Who's that? He is, uh, so he's a respiratory therapist out of, I think, Scotland. And if he's Irish, then that's so offensive. Um, I think he's (laughs) Scottish. Uh, But he, so he studied under um, a doctor named Dr. Buteco. And Dr. Buteyko is someone who was working with um, astronauts in Russia. And so he discovered or started developing this, um, this process of teaching people how to increase their carbon dioxide tolerance. And this started mm. back in, it was like 1902 or 1903, there was a, a physician named Dr. Bohr. And he uh, discovered something that is now called the Bohr Effect, B-O-H-R. And it's this understanding that uh, obviously, oxygen is important. It's necessary. But without carbon dioxide, oxygen is actually useless inside the human body. Okay. We need a certain amount of carbon dioxide in our body at all times for the oxygen in our blood to actually be absorbed into our body. Okay. So you could have 99% oxygen saturation in your blood. And if your carbon dioxide is too low, then you're still going to be oxygen deprived. Okay and you're going to think or even have that your body's going to impulse like take more breath I need more oxygen but what it really needs is you need to hold your breath so that your carbon dioxide can elevate so that it then can help the hemoglobin release oxygen into your body Neat. so Buteco developed this boot, this technique to teach people how to breathe in a way that retrains your body to increase your carbon dioxide tolerance because for a lot of us um, who are over-breathers, who tend to be anxious.
1: Shallow-breathers?
0: Shallow-breathers or over-breathers. Okay. Breathing more than we need in a day, which could include deep breaths when we don't actually need deep breathing. So when we take mm. a really, really deep breath and then a long exhale, that actually could be um, expelling more carbon dioxide than necessary. And then you're going to stay at this low tolerance, where every time your carbon dioxide starts to increase, your body's going to do something unconsciously to expel it even though that's not actually beneficial.
1: So what's the impact on our behavior?
0: ADHD, poor focus, autoimmune disease, poor sleep, poor digestion. Uh, it affects every aspect of your being, your physical health, your mental health. Wow. So a lot of these things that we're prescribing drugs for uh, are actually just because our we're not breathing properly. Go figure. Mm-hmm. Interesting, right? So this is what I've been obsessed with the last few months is doing very specific breath work that includes um, slowing my breath down and doing breath holds. And, and I'm now doing another process where a few years ago, I did this thing called um, The Presence Process. It's a 10 week challenge in this book called The Presence Process by Michael Brown. And he teaches conscious connected breathing, where you take a, a, a forceful in a sense inhale really functional breath so you're extending your belly your ribs everything extends out it's a, a a deep inhale and then just a relaxed exhale without a pause in between each breath okay and you do that for 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening
2: hmm.
0: and you also have a mantra to go with your breath so that you're staying present and you're activating your system so that Things will start to arise, but you stay with this breath technique. So no matter what comes up, you're right. not avoiding it. Right. And now understanding that I also need to be increasing my carbon dioxide tolerance. At the end of these 15-minute breathwork practices, I then move into a breath hold at the bottom of my exhale. And two days ago, I held my breath for two minutes and 15 seconds. Go on.
1: Right? Wow.
0: Which is incredible. So and I at- can do a minute. I know this. This was like I was like I had a little dance party after because I was so excited uh, about it. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's slowly increasing wow. the amount of time that I'm able to hold my breath. But I knowing that conscious connected breathing is over breathing. But I'm doing it intentionally. I'm activating my system, and then I do this breath hold where I'm allowing my carbon dioxide to increase, and I've slowly increased my tolerance. And then after that. I move into the 5.5 pattern where it's not a really high inhale or deep inhale and deep exhale. It's actually super soft with this idea of imagining there's a candle right on the outside of my nostrils and I'm trying not to blow it out. Great visual. Yeah, it's really helpful so that I'm, you know, I've worked my diaphragm, I've activated activated my system. I've then elevated my carbon dioxide and then i find that calm soothing breath so it takes me about half an hour morning and evening
1: that's some serious and now that i'm
0: not smoking weed it's so much easier
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's really interesting breath i find breath work more and more interesting all these years Mm -hmm. growing up as a kid i played in music so from grade six through grade 11 i played in concert band and jazz band played a saxophone a berry sax so took a Hmm. set of lungs for that and i was also big into swimming not competition, but I just, I took all my swimming lessons. I love to swim, and I took my scuba course, and it served me well. And and um, um, certainly blowing on a saxophone, uh, the baritone, it's just a big, it's a big, big woodwind instrument. Yeah. And so it does take a set of lungs to work that totally. thing. Uh, just like a baritone or a, or trom- trombones and tubas, they take a big set of lungs to function, right, versus a flute or a, um anyways so that's really interesting in Brene brown's book uh she definitely talks about it in rising strong i think she speaks to it in a couple others but she talks about box breathing that special operations soldiers so in for four hold for four exhale for four hold for four inhale recycle right yeah so i was practicing that and i've got a background in yoga and i really enjoy my yoga and um But this box breathing was new to me. We certainly didn't learn it in the military and not me, but in special operations, uh, in today's special operations, they do because you need to control your breathing for shooting. Mm -hmm. So for anybody involved in high precision shooting sniper, you know, whether it's SWAT or military, whatever, high precision, uh, shooting breath work is significantly important. Mm -hmm. Um, it's also important just to maintain a calm sense of well being while we're in a, you know, we're just sitting in the boardroom and, you know, just, breathe (laughs) breathe you know don't respond in a way that that um is unhelpful and unproductive but uh huberman brought about these two different breathing techniques that that i still can't speak to perfectly but enough now i believe that i can at least give it some some recognition so here's the setup um we're driving i'm i was late today and uh, and yet so have you ever okay have you ever been driving and you're late and you're just like oh shit i'm late i'm late and then like every light's red mm-hmm. and everyone around you even though it's a green light people are slow like there's
0: construction there's and,
1: construction and, yeah. and our brains are are going faster than the world around us Yeah. conversely we're going somewhere. We're not late. It's just our thing, and the world seems to be going faster around us. Yeah, yeah. faster. So when I first wake up and I'm on my way to the gym at 5:30, and I as soon as I merge onto the Deerfoot, people are already doing 120 at 5:30 in the morning, and I'm like a hundred kilometers seems fast for me. I was just asleep.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so when 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 our energy system is a little bit out of sync, there, you know, everything around us is too slow, and we want to go fast, or everything's fast when we want to go too slow so he's talking about um back into our brain and our brain chemistry and so so wednesday i felt i was going to be late for my presentation Mm -hmm. in my mind the math worked but that was based on green lights Mm -hmm. and uh no construction and there was red lights and construction Mm -hmm. and so one of the downsides of being an optimist is we think that everything is going to be perfect on the way between here and there yeah so I always have a seven minute margin on my watch and on my car, on my car clock. My f- cell phone's the only thing that tells the actual time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So he does something where when we actually need to slow down, we actually need to slow down our, our processing speed in our brain. He says a double inhale mm-hmm. and then a exhale, s- same length or, or a l- little bit longer is fine. Mm-hmm. I haven't really heard him say otherwise, just, so it'd be like.
0: Yeah.
1: And when and so, here I am. I'm driving because he's and it's in my head. So I do this. And he says on his pod on the podcast with Rich Roll and with um, with Billu on Impact Theory that this helps us reset our autom- autonomic nervous system. Mm-hmm. If I'm saying this right, It's yeah. just it's a bit of a reset. Yeah. And he says it only takes one to three breaths. Yeah. Well, I'm like for real. I know. How often am I driving? <laughs> Calgary's terrible for drivers, except for me. I'm <laughs> exceptional.
0: <laughs> I've heard that
1: before. <laughs> Calgary would be a better place if most people just didn't drive in it.
2: <laughs> so
1: so I try this and wouldn't you know it? It worked. Yeah. And so now it's just, okay, is does the world feel faster or slower? I need to sync up. Yeah. Yeah. And and so here's where it, it doesn't work. Let's say that there's, uh, I get startled by a dog. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what kind of dog it is. All dogs can startle us. It's the bark, not the bite, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: that type of breathing is actually ineffective to deal with a dog because it's this immediate perceived threat. Mm. Or maybe there's a sales call we've got to go on and we've been making sales calls and, and, um, just kind of not feeling it, and a lot of people will just breathe, just breathe. So when we do that, that's actually, he would say, would be the wrong breath work to do right mm. now. We need to increase, in because there's agitation and stress, the dog barking, incessant sales calls, let's just say, or dealing with a with a customer that's a bit rusty, yeah. a bit abrasive, and we just don't want to make that phone call. The wrong breath is this, <laughs> The right breath, he says, is amp up for it. Get ready for mm-hmm. it. So he encourages 20 to 30, not hyperventilation, but inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, to get our system, our, bio, our brain system, yeah. ready. So
0: that'd be conscious connected breathing. Yeah, the quick breath. Yeah, the it quick activates breath. you and activates us yeah. and get ready. Mm-hmm. So
1: on. So before I understood this, I was going to the gym. <laughs> I was doing all the wrong breath. And then I get to the gym, like, I just want to go back to bed. Right. I yeah. don't want to be here. Yeah. So now on the way to the gym, aside from my mind-body uh, scan, mm-hmm. I do, I start to do these repetitive breaths. Yeah. And all right, I'm going to hit the treadmill, which is just ch- just a chill walk to lubricate the joints. But then I'm going to go do my weight resistance training. Yeah, yeah. And I want to be, I'm going to throw on, like, I don't do a lot of weight on the squats. I'll get to two plates a side. I forget what that is. 225. I'm 250. So I'm not even lifting my own body weight. Mm but I want to be mentally jacked for this. Yeah, totally. All this time I was like doing box breathing and doing this double inhale, one exhale, and I was doing all the wrong breath work for this situation. So just understanding what is the right mechanism of breathing mm-hmm. right here, right now. Right. So if I have to make a tough call, I'm not trying to calm down. I'm trying to be ready for stress and agitation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's not to say I mean, it's going to be a fist fight on this phone call. Not at all. It just means there's going to be some tension in the phone call, and I want to move into it. Right. I want to move forward, versus um, versus you know this fight, flight, freeze right. response. So this I just is, want to be. I just want to move forward into it. Right. And face it. Lean in.
0: And that's why it's so important to understand. Like this is about understanding your own patterns. For right? sure. This is why I find breath work so fascinating because it can't you can't really prescribe someone how to breathe per se. Because even that same example of say that I have a difficult conversation I need to get into and I'm an anxious person, you know I could be freaking out and I actually would need to down regulate myself before I could step in and engage. And down regulating would actually be bringing me into that focused, pumped up state, versus going in in this agitated, fearful, scattered state. Right. Right. And and so this is what really got me more into the science of understanding breath work is because it, it just got to the point where I was like there's so many different ways to breathe yeah. like what's the right way how should I be breathing when I'm just going about my day what yeah. should my morning practice look like what should I do you know before I go work out there's so many different uh, yeah different modalities and, and ways to be breathing and a part of it is, is that initial body scan of well where am I at in my that's nervous right. system right now that's going to tell me if I need to upregulate or down regulate but yeah, Huberman it was really interesting. I saw him also he talked about the four part breathing and then he also brought in the um the 478 which I found um I learned that a couple years ago where it's the inhale for four, hold for seven, and then slow exhale for eight as a way of down regulating yourself as well.
1: This down regulate, dysregulate, you know, um, this is the part of my life where I just wasn't doing that very well. Mm. And so it just it just got me it just created more fatigue, more uncertainty, more self-doubt. And just, it just wasn't good. So for me to understand which, you know, which breathing exercise, um, how my brain's working, recognizing all these pop-up windows in my head and just, okay, I can't control these, but I can at least introduce a new thought yeah, and not to, not to verbalize negative thinking out loud. All of this, all of this personal development came from my, mental headspace being completely unraveled hmm. and if it hadn't happened where would i be today right. and and i think about that sometimes and um and it allows me to just be really grateful to where i am and how far i have come
2: yeah
1: and while i'm excited for the future the future will show when it you know the future will come when it comes right every day is a new day but just it, i if i could encourage anybody is to become incredibly curious with, with their own body. Be curious about the way they think, mm-hmm. and when we notice thoughts, you know, I'm, I'm holding a pen, and you know, the pen is the pen, and I am me, and you are you. That we are not the pen. The pen. This is the pen, and if we could safely insert this pen inside of our head, the pen would still be the pen. Mm. So thoughts are the same as this pen. When there's a thought in my head, it's no different than this pen being inside of in my of my head. I'm just the first one to hear it. I'm the first one to notice it. That's it. Mm. I don't have to take a knee and bend to this ridiculous thought in my head. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was doing. I was taking a knee. I was bending. I was complying. I was pandering to all these thoughts in my head and then voicing them Mm. and ultimately living out a life that was just not serving me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so I don't like to say it was right. It was wrong. It just wasn't serving me. Yeah you know, this idea of what's right, what's wrong. Um, it's just, wasn't serving me. Mm-hmm. And if we could all recognize that the th- we all have messed up thoughts in our head, that's fine. That's what makes us human. The, um, it's how we respond and, and we introduce a new thought just like, and just carry on Yeah, and be, be very observant to that and recognizing for me, the value of the, the right breath or, or a breath that serves me better. Um, and, um, just knowing that every time I do weight resistance training is it's it's a it's, uh, it's a workout more for my brain. The you know better fitness, you know better toning, whatever, is just a pleasurable side effect. Mm-hmm. But I do self-regulate a whole lot better. Yeah. This coupled with meditation, um, I I'm a better father. I'm much more patient with my children. I'm much more patient in my relationship with my wife. I'm much more patient and compassionate with all of them and myself. Yeah. Um, my thoughts are f- significantly less destructive. I've never, I would say, I can't say I never contemplated suicide, but I say it in this way. I was never serious about suicide. I just thought, if I did, how would I do it? And Jordan, Peterson uh, Jordan Peterson's work talks very specifically about suicide. You know, men are more successful at suicide than women. Mm. And and we're okay with very violent endings mm. than women.
2: Yeah,
1: And so... But I, I, I can think of two times in my life where I just two speci- not like not two one like moments but two times of my life. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, two thousand and nine, uh, when I was unemployed for a very long time, and um, in November going into this prior to the post traumatic stress um, diagnosis. Where, it, like, I the contemplation I had was, what if what would it be like if I just wasn't around anymore? That was as far as my thoughts got. I didn't start, I didn't entertain any ways to exit this planet.
2: Yeah.
1: But mm. that alone was really unnerving for me. Yeah. And it was just serendipity that I came across Legion Command and met with Sean um, Wood over at Legion Command that just kind of mm. saw something that I did and just said, Hey, how would you like to talk to the OSI clinic? And, mm. And, you know, the person I am today, people will always ask me, how are you? And I'll say, I've never been better. I can't remember a time when I felt this good about life, about myself, mm. about my family, about my direction, about the work I do, about scotch. <laughs> um, be, it just, and it's that inner curiosity.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm, I'm so beautiful.
1: Less condemning, less convinced, more compassion, more curious.
0: Mm. It's amazing. Thank you for sharing that.
1: My pleasure. Mm-hmm. I was incredibly excited when you said, hey, do you want to do this again?
0: <laughs>
1: so yeah. So thank you.
0: Good. No, I'm, I'm honored to be able to share this conversation, this space with you. And I look forward to, to many more. I have a lot of fun with you.
1: Yeah. Likewise. Mm-hmm. And next time, you know, be a whole other lineup of of, of, of beautiful drams,
0: and I'll bring some cheese. <laughs>
1: and yeah, next time we'll have like a full-on charcuterie board. Yes, right?
0: just,
2: I love it.
1: So, and you know, we're putting our little pieces of wagyu beef sitting on a yellow sticky note <laughs> yeah. as our placer place.
2: Well, it's um, we're
0: classy here.
1: We're super classy. <laughs> but that's okay. Like right? Yeah. You know, it just is what it is. Totally. And uh, let go of the outcome. Yeah. Right.
0: And if it's just added to the the whole ambiance of the experience to me. It's not about it being perfect or the the frills. I'm not uh, I'm not someone who who needs you know a nice board or plate. It's just you know it's about yeah. the quality and the conversation and yeah, you know that's what I care most about.
1: Super random in the military, we get deployed yeah. and obviously everything everything comes with weight, right? Like two a liter of water is two pounds.
2: Okay, yeah. So
1: everything in my rucksack is, I'm weight conscious. So if you think of entertainment while on deployment, um, I switch out my plate for a Frisbee.
2: Mm. <laughs>
0: so when
1: I'm not eating on it, we can play with it.
0: Yeah, it's efficient.
1: Super, and this the plate comes with, like the Frisbee comes with sidewalls, right? So it's a bowl. It can be a bowl. <laughs> you can put stew in it. So craft dinner doesn't just slide off, and, and it's pretty forgiving with, uh, you know. So yeah, it um, nothing has to be overly pretty, right? It just functional, but yeah. not pretty. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: that's well said. Was well, there anything else coming up for you? Anything that you want to share? Anything you're you're doing in town or online or you know anything at all?
1: Something that I'm reluctant to share <laughs> is uh, I've been contemplating a podcast for close to a year now. So the title is official. Oh, okay. I have my title. Um, I have my URL. It's already purchased, so that's no problem. I can I can run with that now. Um, and I've started to make a list. I have a list as long as you know a full scap of paper. There's a reference eh? Full scap. <laughs> I have a full sheet of paper that is now transcribed into my Apple Notes. So I've got all these different people on there. And I've resigned to the idea that, you know, my wife says, just do it already. No one's going to listen for the first year. So just do it. Like (laughs) I have this, I have this, um, uh, let's say unhealthy relationship with achievement. In other words, I don't feel personal value in myself if I'm not achieving, if I'm not winning, if I'm not getting an A, not coming first. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's real work in progress. So, Mm -hmm. and if people aren't listening, then I'm not winning. So I joke about it. I said, okay, fine. No one's going to listen. So who do I want to have on if no one's listening? Well, then if no one's listening, this is just for me. It's just for me. So if I could have anybody on, who might it be? So I've made this list, and I've just started to reach out to different people on LinkedIn that I've come across all over the world yeah. that I really respect. And um, so from New Zealand to the United States to uh, Wales uh, in in Britain, and... Um, so my very first officially booked, so this is not published, this is just uh, her name is Lauren Johnson. Okay. So hopefully I didn't jinx myself because I <laughs> said her name out loud. But Lauren Johnson, she's a strength. Uh, she's um, a sports psychologist with, uh, in, uh, with one of the Major League Baseball teams out there. Wow. And I just started seeing more of her work uh, on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and just really interested with her f- reframing and how a lot of what she says while, while her experience is sport um, she shares a lot of her own experiences in life, lends equally as well into the business community, into yeah. the entrepreneurship community. And that really is my tribe. And while I certainly understand business and how business starts and grows and makes money and keeps money and all these different things, and I'm exponentially more curious about the driver of that business,
2: yeah.
1: the leadership within that business, yeah. which is why my work is less about income statements. Yes, I can read one. But that's a result of how we behaved. Mm-hmm. So... I will reach out to the Andrew Huberman's and of the world and the Jonathan Heights of the world. And whether they say yes or no, and when they say it, I don't know, don't care. It's not in my control. But Lauren said, yes. Mm. So great. We'll have her on. And, um, we'll just run with it. And how long the podcast is, I haven't, I try not to have any expectation. I'm I'm, I'm hoping she'll allow the hour of conversation. If we could go a little bit longer, great. But, um, Yeah, so it'll be called Embrace the Suck Podcast with Vince Fowler. (laughs) That's the t-shirt, as always.
0: Okay, I love that. Because life
1: is never absent of suck. Mm -hmm. We've all experienced suck. Um, Some people are just really good at hiding. They're really good at putting on a mask to not disclose the suck they're in. Yeah. And if we could just take off the mask, acknowledge the suck, and then work through it, Mm -hmm. what is happening is real. But what happens next is is unwritten. It's up to us. What's the next best behavior to, what's the next behavior to take? Yeah. If we could, if our psychological immunity could strengthen, what would that mean for our team, our family, our community, our region beyond? Mm-hmm. And that's what I really care about.
0: Amazing. Well, I'll be listening.
1: Good. That makes <laughs> two of us. I think we can include my wife in that. Yeah. So there's three of us for sure. There we go. But that's okay. I'm doing this for me. Just yeah. like, you know, Seth Godin writes for Seth. Yeah. I, I'm doing this for me. Yeah. I'm just insatiably curious about how, how we make decisions, how we execute on those mm-hmm. decisions when we roll up and pull up and when we go for it.
0: It's amazing. Yeah. Congrats. That's great. Thank you very mm-hmm.
1: much. Well. Slange. That's as they say.
0: <laughs> I'll drink to that. Uh, so if that's available or any details you have, um, I'll, Put it in the show notes so that people can find you. Or it would
1: be a to be to be continued kind okay. of post. So you're welcome to say that. The um, I realize I'm kind of hanging myself by my own tongue, which is fine. Yeah. If I had to predict, if we could roll this out January 21, okay. mm-hmm. that'd be great. That'd okay. give me that wouldn't put any significant pressure on me to to get everything right. But I've got the resources of Lindy Rock. I've got the resources of my fr- my wife. I've got friends you are included, yeah. who have the experience in the podcasting world. I'm not doing anything that hasn't been done before, so I'm not unique. Um, I just have to get past, and I am, this idea of, of perfection. Mm-hmm. Right? Just, hey, it is what it is. Put it out there. The first one is going to be whatever. Yeah. Lauren will be great. I'll, I will I can hold my own. I know I can. Yeah. Uh, we'll have a conversation, and then whatever the front bumper reels sound beginning and an end it'll be what it will be
0: yeah and then you just get to be in this continuous practice of embrace the suck yeah and uh, yeah. yeah that's a great it, you know it, it just I think you and I have this in common that it's the the things that we both not only that we're interested in but the things that we know we need to get better at right we create something around it so that we're absorbed and you know it's exposure therapy
1: okay. my day starts with two very sucky moments well three one waking up that early. I don't really enjoy it. Yeah. Right. The military, I did it, but that doesn't mean I enjoy it. Two, working out first that early when I'm kind of stiff and right. Yeah. So, and the third one is uh, cold showers. Yes. I've been all in cold showers. Cold showers started their experiment mid January. It was definitely before COVID. Yeah. A friend here in Calgary got me onto them. In the beginning, it was just 10 seconds at the end of the shower. Now I step right in Mm -hmm. and the whole shower, I shave, I brush my teeth. Everything happens in the shower. And every now and then I treat myself to a warm one, but it does feel awkward now to have a warm shower. Yeah. So I'm 100% all cold. As cold as that puppy can get it. Yeah,
0: I love that. Yeah. It's amazing how our body can adapt to that. It know? is
1: uncomfortable, yeah. but when we do hard things, the brain is learning that it can apply the hard thing of cold shower to the hard thing of something else. Yes. So it's a primer yeah. to doing something else hard in the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And every day is a new day, so every day is a Every day is weight training, and every day is a cold shower. Yeah. Right Wonderful. out of the gate. It's so good. Braces suck.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you, Vince. This has been such a pleasure. And I'm uh, yeah, I'm feeling really good and excited awesome. about getting to share this with the world.
1: There's lots to be feeling good for.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Amazing. All right. Well, no, oh, two hours. Look at us. Thanks for sticking with us, everyone. Uh, and until next time, we'll see you later bye for now thanks so much for listening you can find me on social media at dopamine that's d-o-p-e-a-m-e or on my website under that same title dopamine.com please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it and do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments i would love to hear what you want to learn more about so until next time love big and play big peace